Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KTRH Garden Line does not necessarily endorse any of the products or services advertised on this program. Welcome to KTRH Garden Line with Skip Richter. Show is milk raisin in the grass. Just watch him as the world goes. Good morning. It's a good morning to be inside. Your gardening amounting to taking care of houseplants. I just got a container the other day and it was um, on a pot up one of my houseplants. I have several that kind of outgrew their their pot and they're a little stressed. So every time I neglect to water them, they, they pout about it for a while. So I'm trying to get a little more soil in there. I'm going to bump them up to a larger size. Good activity for indoors on a day like today. It's also a good time to, if you want to start some cuttings or seeds or things like that inside, uh, it's a great time for that. If you haven't ever purchased a little light for seed starting, you ought to consider doing that. And I realize this isn't the big, big seed starting season. We think of that in late winter, but um, it's still something you can do all year round. Starting new plants, getting them going, to move them outside. If you have a really bright window, that's good. But you may notice your your plants all lean in uh, or lean out toward the toward the sunlight, and with a good quality light above them, uh, they just do a whole lot better. Maybe I can talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Uh, our phone number, if you'd like to give us a call, seven one three two one two fifty eight seventy four, and we're going to go to League City, and I believe we're going to talk to John V. Hello, John V. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, Rick, and to all of you. Um, my question this morning is on the ivy that hangs. I'm trying to have a two-story house, uh-huh. and so I'd like to hang the ivy and grow the ivy. Uh, seven different species, but, you know, just start out. Some with flowering, some not. I just that's my question, Rick. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're kind of cutting out on me. Uh, t- tell me the, the base of... Base of your question, what do you ask? What do you ask? The uh, vines that we can grow to cover a two-story house on the brick side. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, yes. on the outside. Okay. Um, you know the fig ivy is used a lot. It's the vine you'll see it on overpasses. You know. 610 gallery area they, they sometimes will grow that uh, the problem with it is it's not fully winter hardy and we do get some seasons where it comes in and uh, it's just a little too cold for it but it's beautiful if you have it and a nice uh, low, uh, you know hugs a brick real tightly and it attaches to brick real, real well I wouldn't use it on on painted uh, wood type surfaces and things but good for attaching to the brick 
there are, you know, that that's probably the most common one that you see around here. Uh, the other kinds of ivy that climb are, are a bit on the vigorous side, but you could use them. You just have to, tr- you know, trim them a lot. The English ivy, there's several versions of that, uh, and they they can get kind of invasive. You know, they're hard to keep track of if you don't keep an eye on them. So I'm not as I'm not as big about those. Well, thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful day. Well, you too. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. You know, the the uh, indoor uh, indoor ivies, uh, that's where my brain went first. Uh, but uh, the indoor ivies, uh, there's so many kinds of them, and they're so easy to grow. I've been talking about houseplants this morning. I'm going to shift over back inside. Uh, beautiful cut leaves. Different, you know, you go buy the little plants. They're typically sold to you in a little hanging basket. Sometimes you can buy them in smaller uh, four-inch pots or something. I like those because when you're creating your own little dish garden, uh, it, it allows you to get a little bit more creative. But they're beautiful, and they work really well in a basket uh, inside. Uh, just have to turn it around because they're constantly want to point toward the sun. Uh, but those are really beautiful. Probably one of the most common, if not the most common houseplant, is just the plain pothos that you see everywhere with the green leaves with kind of yellow streaking in them. Uh, those are super, super easy to grow, and there's a lot of new types of it, of the pothos. Some with white splotched leaves and, and other other versions. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool to to try out some different things. And I I always, when I see a new plant I haven't tried before, well, when, whenever possible, I grab one to add it to a collection and learn about it. Sometimes I learn that I don't care for it, but that's okay. Hey, let's go. Uh, phone number, by the way, 713-212-5874. We're going to go to Jersey Village now and talk to Marigold. Well, hello, Marigold. Good morning. Hello there. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, I have a, a bit of an unusual problem. Uh, during the winter, I cut back my lawn service, and uh, but the guy sowed ryegrass seed all over my front yard. Mm-hmm. So now it's grown up. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And uh, I had zoya grass there before. Oh. Yeah, and I've been in this house for like 20 years, and I've never had this. It's not in the backyard. It's only in the front. And the reason why I know he did it is because right along the property line, there's a straight stain on all sides. Mm-hmm. It's not in my neighbor's yard. It's just in my yard, but it's really full. And I don't know 
what to do. I mean, like, since it's been raining, it's up to my knees. The grass grows, like, it seems like about an inch to two inches a week. Okay. And uh, so... Well, is is someone mowing it and keeping it mowed down at the normal height? Yeah, I, he does. I, I got another yard guy, and uh, he mows it. He comes and he mows it every two weeks. Okay. But it's like now it needs to be mowed once a week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so the Homeowners Association is on me, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, I that is going to die down. It's going to go away. Uh, they, it depends on exactly what they used to oversee. There's an annual rye and a perennial rye, and often people will overseed a blend of the two because each has its advantages. Uh, and oh. if it's an annual rye, for sure, I mean, it, the heat is going to take it out. And uh, You may have a few seeds that are left over to sprout next year, but probably not much. Uh, but the perennial rye can be a little more persistent. But even that does not like our blazing summer heat. So I think time is going to be your friend. There's not a there's not a um, a magic bullet that kills ryegrass, but not your um, zoysia grass. Uh, and so. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I was like. Oh my God! If I put, so someone had suggested using Roundup on it. Mm-hmm. Or weed killer. Well, don't but don't do I, that. I didn't want to no, ruin my. Uh, yeah, you'll kill your you'll okay. kill your zoysia grass uh, with Roundup. Yeah, uh, yeah, and okay. So th- okay, just, so just wait it out. Yeah, wait there, it out. Don't do anything. A, mm-hmm. Just cut cut low. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah. Yeah. Cut more often than the schedule you've been on probably uh, would be helpful uh, because the Zoysia is a good, tough competitor and and it's better mode lower than St. Augustine and it is better mode very regularly with a good sharp mower. Now, if your lawn okay. if your lawn care guy, guy has a propeller blade mower, like a, a proper mm-hmm. the standard kind of a mower, um, yeah. you can't get too low because those end up gouging the grass, and they're just not made to cut real low. As you get shorter okay. heights, uh, the little spiral um, barber pole type it's called a real mower, R E E L, and those mm-hmm. types give the best cut when you get on really short. But then the shorter you mow, the more often you're having to mow. To keep oh, okay. it, to keep it, you know, from getting rangy looking. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting right now. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for the call. I hope that helps. Uh, let's head out now to Spring. Oops. 
Mo, I'm pulling you up, but I'm going to put you on hold. I'm just seeing I, it is break time, and so we'll be right back okay. with you. Just hang on. Our phone number is 713-212-5874. RCW Nurseries, that's the, that's the one up there where Tomball Parkway comes into Beltway 8. Uh, go online, rcwnurseries.com. You can find all the information on them there. Uh, boy, the Williamson family has uh, had RCW since 1979, and they know plants. They, uh, they really specialize. One of their specialties is in trees. They grow their own trees uh, up to, I think, uh, maybe 15, maybe up to 200 gallons. So in pretty much any size you would want, or they're going to have available. Unbelievable selection of roses. That that alone is just worth a visit, but they go way beyond that. Herbs, perennials, annuals, shrubs, RCW Nurseries. Check them out. I think that you will be very pleased. RCWNurseries.com. Good morning. It's a good Sunday morning to be inside listening to the radio and taking care of your houseplants. Uh, got a little rain coming today, and it just reminds us we do live in southeast Texas area where it does rain. There are people a lot further west that wish they could have just a little bit of what, what we get here every year. Uh, but, you know, they say when it rains, it pours, and when it rains too much, we end up dealing with poor drainage issues or standing water, soggy soil. And that's one of the key steps to success with many of our garden beds is to get them up into a raised bed where the soil drains a little better. Get those roots out of submerged conditions uh, so your plant does a little better. And every time it rains a good amount, it reminds us of that. Well, we're going to now head out to talk to Mo in spring. Good morning, Mo. Good morning. My grandmother loved talking to you yesterday. <laughs> well, good. I love talking to her, too. She just forgot to give you what she wanted to give you. It was her homemade jam. A <laughs> uh, homemade jam? Well, uh, maybe next she trip. Said next time she sees you, she won't forget. <laughs> That's good. We had a great time out at Arborgate yesterday. Uh, a lot of folks mm-hmm. came by and uh, got to meet a lot of new folks and uh, people that hadn't even yep. been there before. They were amazed at the place. Well, what I want to know, I, I'm planting two new pecan trees. What should I scatter around of mulch around it? On the roots. Well, so you don't need to do anything in the soil for the pecans. They're going to have a huge, extensive root system, and the little bit you do doesn't accomplish much if you try to amend the soil much for a pecan. But okay. uh, you, you do want to make sure the surface is mulched to keep all the weeds away and to create that kind of forest floor environment for the pecan tree. So you can use, I mean, you could use just compost for mulch. You could use, you know, wood chips. You, I mean, whatever kind of mulch you want, you shred your own leaves and put them in there if you like. But just the bigger area, the bigger the area is, the less competition for weeds and grass that that tree is going to deal with, and you're going to see a lot faster growth as a result. And and put uh, tree huggers on them. Yeah, for putting a, the water on them. You you shouldn't plant a woody ornamental or tree or something like that without a tree hugger because the first year that pecan goes into summer. Uh, that's the touch-and-go year. That's where you may lose it or not. That's where you may get good growth or it basically leaves out and just sits there. And accurate watering to that root ball and as the, as the uh, pecan slowly puts new roots out, 
That is very important. And yeah, you're right. The tree hugger can certainly do that. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Mo. Thank you very much for the call. You're listening to Garden Line. I'm your host, Skip Richter, and our phone number, 713-212-5874. 713-212-5874. Yeah, we, had a, we really had a great time out there at uh, Arbor Gate yesterday. Uh, Beverly had the Bellini machine going, and I tell you, we had folks <laughs> we had folks coming by to take advantage of that. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. A really good time. I always like to meet meet folks i saw bags of plant material and photos on phones and all kinds of things as we as we identified diagnosed and recommended our way to to hopefully a beautiful garden and a bountiful landscape for some of the folks that came by thank y'all for hosting us out there arbor gate the the um the plants that we plant uh in, in our gardens are either going to be well adapted or not and uh, a lot of times we see things we want, but that doesn't mean they're happy to be where we live. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you want on a vacation to Colorado and bring home a little blue spruce? Well, um, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Plants will pull up with sirens to your landscape, and <laughs> they will cuff you for such a crime, a horticultural crime. Now, seriously, we, we want things that do well, and, and one of the... One of the best things here in, in Texas is called the Texas Superstar Program. So Texas Superstars are plants that have been tested by AgriLife Extension, AgriLife Research all across the state and uh, to see how they do. And the ones that rise to the top are given a superstar status. Now, there's not every good plant in the world in the superstar program, but all those that are there uh, have their features and have their reason uh, to belong there. And uh, you can go online. You can check out TexasSuperstar.com, and there'll be a list of the plants that uh, that have been uh recommended over the years you find everything from shrubs to to trees perennials not not a lot of annuals well actually there are quite a few annuals on there and then some that they call per annuals as in perennial annuals meaning if you go farther south they're a perennial if you go farther north they're probably an annual uh, we have a number of, of plants uh, like that like duranta the brazilian sky flower beautiful plant um as has the golden berries on it in the following the flowers and that's one of its names uh, is, is points to that that's a tough one but you take that up to waco and it's not a perennial that's for sure uh, but it is down here in fact you have it living the above ground parks uh, living through the winter many times but that's just an example of what i'm talking about we um we have many other good superstar plants uh, you know the one one of the ones that that I like, of course, I'm I'm kind of perennial. Uh, perennial. I'm kind of partial to salvias. I just I love those a lot. And Mexican bush sage, the one that blooms in late summer and fall with the purple and purple and white or all purple blooms, uh, that's on the list. That is just a good one, and I like it because it gives us color at a time of year when 
there isn't as much color as there is in the spring, for example. So don't ever forget those fall blooming plants. They also have on their Henry Dulberg uh, salvia, which is a salvia farinacea uh, or a cross of it. And it is um, uh, native here in Texas, salvia farinacea. And they have a mystic spires salvia, which is it's a beautiful uh, little compact version of a salvia that we used to grow called indigo spires. Uh, so those are all good uh, salvias for example. Well, let's, I tell you what, let's go to the phones. Our number, our, well, our number, if you'd like to give us a call, 713-212-5874. And Doug, I'm about to take a little break here. So to give you a little more time, I am go, I am going, okay, I'm going to come back to that. Um, let me continue on just for a moment, though. A couple more of the superstars that, that I did want to mention. And a, a new group of those are the hibiscus that are perennial. These are different than the multicolored, beautiful tropical hibiscus. These are the dinner plate size blooms. Uh, there's one called Flare, uh, Flare hibiscus. There's one called Lord, ba- Lord Baltimore. Uh, there's one called Moy Grande. Uh, Moy Grande is especially a unique one in that it has the probably the biggest of the blooms of all of these. The blooms don't form a complete circle. They're more like, remember the old-time desk fans that had the blades, four blades or whatever, and there was air, there was space between the blades? That's kind of how a, a Moy Grande hibiscus bloom is. They're absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, and there are many other varieties of these that haven't been, you know, haven't been tested to reach the, the superstar status, but they are they're very good plants. But those perennial hibiscus just give you that color that is just gaudy. I mean, it's if you want, uh, you know, vehicle going down the road, stop traffic, beauty in your yard, this is going to be the kind of plant to do it. And I was visiting somebody at Arborgate yesterday just about that thing. But these big, bold colors are just beautiful. And they're perennial. They come back year after year. Uh, Texas Star, by the way, is another good one. It's a native to the to the Gulf Coast. It's actually, despite being called Texas Star, it's not not native to Texas, but we'll call it uh, happy anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, our phone number seven one three two one two fifty eight seventy four. We're going to turn the, it over to the news and Nikki. Well, good morning on a good morning to be inside listening to the radio doing your gardening with your houseplants. The uh, <clears throat> the craze of houseplants uh, over the years is, is uh, just kind of surprised me these last couple of years. You know, with, with COVID and people being cooped up, well, it kind of makes sense that houseplants would get a surge in popularity. But, oh, my gosh, what a surge. The thing now is to find something nobody else has that's never been sold here before, some new variety or variant or, or even species. I'm seeing... You know, I've been in horticulture 35 years and pretty familiar with a lot of plants, but I am seeing houseplants that, okay, what is that? I mean, I've never seen that one before. And uh, people are really excited about it. And it's fun. It's a good, it's a good uh, indoor release. It, it provides that setting houseplants do for, for a room that, I don't know, it, it just gives it a more natural feel, less sterile, more, more natural feel. Uh, they have many benefits uh, to houseplants. 
One of the one of the the benefits is often touted. Oh, by the way, I should give you our phone number: seven one three two one two fifty eight seventy four. That way you can put an end to me droning on, <laughs> which I love to do. So one of the things attributed to houseplants is improving air quality. <clears throat> and while I am 1,000% in favor of people putting more plants in their home, uh, I think that it is basically oversold. Are you surprised to hear me say that? Well, they, there was a study done at NASA years ago that looked at uh, air quality, and it would say, well, this plant pulls formaldehyde out of the air, or this plant, you know, helps take benzene out of the air. And these tests were done in little chambers uh, where they could do air quality sampling. Well, when you try to take that and put it in a the size of your indoors scale, you would basically have to create a jungle to achieve those same uh, benefits, And then you add to the fact that we've got doors opening and closing and air blowing through. We've got air conditioners circling the air around. Uh, it, it, that's not the reason to do it. In fact, you know, an interesting thing of, of some follow-up studies, they found that the soil, actually the soil, uh, the microbes in the soil were accomplishing even more than the plants that were growing in it. So I guess if you want to do something... I don't know, bring in a good quality layer of some of the soils we talk about, put it about two inches deep across all the floors in your house and run around barefoot. <laughs> that, that would accomplish it. But yeah, houseplants are a wonderful thing. Let's go out to Liberty and talk to Tracy. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Skip. I got a question about a Meyer lemon. It's a three-year-old tree that I just transplanted from a pod into the ground. Uh, it's got fruit forming. But the question I have, I've noticed they're about the size of a very small uh, marble, but they're turning yellow already and dropping off. Well, the citrus will abort like that, and it it can be due to different things. Uh, You know, that if pollination is required for the kind of citrus, then that that could be an issue. But uh, stresses, uh, they set a little extra fruit all the time, so it's not unusual to see some of that aborting. When it's more, it's probably due to some sort of a stress. In this case, maybe the the planting process and getting ready to get established there could be part of it. But it's going to be some type of a stress if it's more than the okay. normal amount of aborting. Uh, is there anything special do you think I need to do to it or no. just let it, nature take its course? I pretty much let nature take its course. You, How long ago did you plant it? Uh, it's been in the ground about a month. About a month. Okay. Well, I would say any time now you could begin to give it small doses of fertilizer. Uh, you know, don't overdo it. Uh, but provide a sprinkling of fertilizer around it, kind of scratch it into the soil surface and water it. Uh, the bigger the mulch is around it, the, in other words, the wider the mulch circle, uh, the better off it'll be too. And just kind of create that setting where it can, you know, uh, get its feet under it, if you will, and, and really start to thrive. Okay. And one other question, the black velvet mulch, would that be good to put around citrus trees? Yeah, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. It's a natural that'd mulch product. It's not dyed mulch for those folks listening. You know, we're not fans of dyed mulch, but um, the black velvet is a naturally dark mulch and it, it'd be just fine. You just want to create right. create a good mulch surface and then always add mulch to the surface as the old mulch kind of breaks down. Uh, don't take the old mulch away because that's the good stuff. And think about the forest floor, leaves year after year after year, the leaves rotting at the bottom. That's the good stuff. 
All right. I will do that. Thank right. you for the information. Hey, Have Trey, a great day. You too. Thank you for the call. <laughs> By the way, I want to wish everyone uh, the, that's a mom out there uh, a happy Mother's Day. This is a special day of the year. Uh, and many, many um, lives that, you know, just impacted in ways that no one else in your life can uh, by your mom. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, Our phone number is 713-212-5874. You know, Jungle Land, I've talked about it before, but it it is a soil for containers. It's a potting type mix. So this would be something that would provide that color on your patio, the opportunity to really thrive. And it's because it's got a blend of Canadian peat, four sources of decomposing organic matter, and then mycorrhizal fungi. There's the kick. If you have indoor plants, they have a version with crystals that help hold moisture. So if you forget to water, it helps the plant keep going until you get around to remembering it. Jungle Land is sold everywhere that other nitrophos products are sold. So Atascacita Ace, Lake Hardware in Angleton, or Jim's Hardware in Montgomery. Well, good morning. Well, a good morning to be inside listening to the radio and maybe doing some houseplant gardening. Uh, I am working with my throat this morning to see how long it's going to allow me to keep talking. So <laughs> kind of bear with me. Uh, we're going to head out. Our phone number, by the way, 713-212-5874. Now let's head out to Montgomery and we're going to talk to Carrie Ann. Hello, Carrie Ann. Good morning, Skip. I am calling up a question about my yard. My husband and I moved into our house uh, a year ago. We laid 80 pallets of sod, and um, uh, we worked hard to take good care of it. Um, We did the azomite, we did the Medina soil activator, we watered, but ultimately ended up with a brown patch pretty severely Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of summer. And with all this rain, I'm just really worried about the emergence of another fungus mm-hmm. and wondered if there's anything that I could do, you know, proactively or if I see patches start to come up, what I could do. Well, uh, if if we could identify uh, what uh, fungus may be out there affecting your lawn, the brown pa- it may have been brown pa- Was it circles or was it irregular in the dieback uh, this, at the end it of was, summer? Yeah, it was it was circles. Okay. Well, then that is the what we have always called brown patch. I think the, the turf folks call it a large patch now. Uh, but uh, okay. the that doesn't kill your grass. It rots the leaves off the grass, and then the runners are alive, and they grow new leaves on them in time uh, when the weather's right. Uh, so if you have a fall of, of, um, attack from it, then you're going to have those circles all winter because the grass isn't growing to come back in yet. Uh, but right. I think, you know, in terms of what you've done for your lawn, it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot of things right. Uh, the only thing, if compaction were an issue, uh, doing an, a core aeration, pulling the little cores out of the ground, a little compost top dressing uh, just to kind of cover the soil surface and in any areas where the sunlight might hit the soil, also provide that, that nutrient as it decomposes. Those would be helpful. Uh, but I, I think the, the main thing would be just, just watch it close. Uh, if you see that uh, it's, there's color issues, you know, it's not as green even though you fertilized or you're getting yellow splotches through it. Are you seeing any of that right now? Uh, there's one area that I'm worried about that's not growing and it, sh- it should be growing. 
Okay. Um, and well, it's definitely in circular yeah. nature. And you said it was St. Augustine, right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. So, you know, that's going to do really well in the sun, in the shade and sun uh, because it's more shade tolerant. Not too much shade, but a little bit. Uh, but just watch that whenever we hit the heat of summer that you're providing supplemental water as needed. Uh, and really, a watering once a week in the absence of rainfall is is plenty. Uh, twice at the most, but we try to wean our lawns back to once a week because that allows the soil to dry out a little bit and brings oxygen back into the root system uh, in that process. Uh, the I don't know any magic okay. potions to put on it at this point, uh, just fertilizing. Okay. Uh, when was the last time you fertilized? So uh, April 10th, and I use the sweet green, and that kind of leads me to a second question, Skip. I have all kinds of stripes in my yard. Okay. And so um, <laughs> if I was to fertilize again at six weeks, um, should I just go in and fertilize the areas that I missed or just do a crisscross type of pattern and try to even that out? Well, if you, if you crisscross, you may end up with a checkerboard instead of stripes. Um, <laughs> you might do the areas that you missed. Do you have a drop spreader? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons I kind of like the little whirly bird spreaders. It's, you know, push it, put it out everywhere because it's easier to get a kind of an even blend with just a little overlap and, and avoid the stripes. But yeah, normally crisscrossing is something we do and that, that helps us to get it down at the right rate. That way you don't get halfway through the yard and you've run out of what should have been a whole yard's worth of fertilizer. Uh, but right. uh, the, the drop spreaders are good for applying certain kinds of things, especially when you're looking at weed issues and stuff like that. But, okay, so whirly bird is what you said? Well, I call them whirly bird. It's a little spinning. You know, it's the kind you've probably seen it in pictures or TV where, like, the fertilizer is just being spun out everywhere. There's a little whirling plate underneath that slings it everywhere. Uh-huh. Uh, that's opposed to the drop spreader. They each have their place, but uh, it's it's a little easier to avoid the striping with uh, the oh. spinning type uh, spreader. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. Well, if you fertilized that recently, then you don't need to fertilize again. That sweet green's going to last you a while. You might, you might put on a late summer fertilization if you're just lacking color. But I think it would probably your next one is probably going to be in the fall, especially if you return your clippings. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Well, good luck with Judy. Was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With your lawn. You are listening to Garden Line. I'm your host, Skip Richter, and our phone number is 713-212-5874. We're going to be heading to break here in just a bit, uh, but if you will give Josh a call, he'll get you on the boards, and we can talk about whatever you are interested in. 
And again, wishing all the moms out there a happy, happy Mother's Day. Uh, What you've poured into lives, uh, your children, your family, uh, the sacrifices made, the the kindnesses, the the comfort, uh, the the list could go on and on. And we are very appreciative to you. Uh, As as the the, uh, son of a mom, (laughs) I can tell you that uh, it, it is just... I don't know. It's just one of those holidays of the year that is, is, is unique in many ways and special in its, in its own way. And I hope you're doing something for your mom this uh, Mother's Day, maybe a card, a phone call, best yet, a visit, uh, perhaps a gift. Uh, but we are very appreciative, moms. Thank you so much for the way you poured out your life for us. A Plants up in Montgomery. They're on the east side of Montgomery. That garden center is just amazing. I mean, the color, uh, the the color that they have right now is just jaw dropping. If you go by A and A, check out also some of their other materials that are uh, I call it bling, but Mexican ter- talavera, the terracotta, the chimeneas, uh, you know, topiaries or arches or gazebos, all of that other stuff. In addition to having all the plants and all the products that we talk about here on Gardenline, the fertilizers and, and the soil, soil blends and whatnot. ANA plants just on the east side of Montgomery. Uh, let's see. We need to, I believe, uh, Josh, let's go ahead and take us to a, a break. I'll tell you what, let me, let me do this. I've talked about Vigo garden beds before. Vigo garden beds are modular metal garden beds that will provide the perfect environment for your plant roots. Whether you're growing flowers or vegetables or a mix of the two, Vigo is a Houston company, a Houston company, the original metal garden bed here in the United States. It's treated with material with a, a, a a material to prevent rusting and to, to prevent corrosion. And then it's painted with a USDA certified, very safe paint. So excellent for organic gardeners too. Uh, there are imposters out there, but the original is Vego, V-E-G-O garden.com. KTRH Garden Line does not necessarily endorse any of the products or services advertised on this program. Welcome to KTRH Garden Line with Skip Richter. Show me well, good Sunday morning. Good morning to be inside, that's for sure. But it doesn't stop us from gardening, does it? There's these things called houseplants. You got an ivy, a pothos or something that's just getting too long and lanky? Yeah, cut some of those things off and one node for each little section. That would be a node is where a leaf attaches to the vine and put them in some soil. Let's get them rooted. Start your whole new ivy basket. Enjoy it yourself or give it away uh, to somebody if you'd like to do that. You're listening to Garden Line and I'm your host, Skip Richter. Our phone number, write this one down. It's 713-212-5874. I want to, I want to talk about a, um, uh, some myths. In fact, I think from time to time, we got to have a myth, gardening myths, 
segment, need a little intro of someone uh, shouting that out. Gardening myths. Well, here's myth number one. We're going to talk about it today. Uh, we'll include some other myths as we go through. Putting styrofoam peanuts or gravel or broken pot shards in the bottom of a container to improve drainage. Now, it makes total sense, logically, right? I mean, you pour water onto gravel, and the water just goes straight through. Nothing could drain better than gravel, right? That's true. But the physics, a little nerd warning here, the physics of water is that it moves from broader spaces into smaller spaces by capillary action. That's why if you have a drop of water on your counter and you put the corner of a, a paper towel right down and touch the drop of water, where does that water go? It goes up into the paper towel because that draws the water more than uh, you know, than just the air, the water flattening out in the air on the counter. So when we have soil, a soil volume, and it's sitting over gravel, then what the water literally, that soil literally has to get so oversaturated that it drips out of the soil into the gravel. And yes, then it moves on out very easily. But it, two bad things happen uh, when, you, when you do this. Number one, uh, you lose uh, volume of your soil. In other words, let's say you had a container, uh, I don't know, however high it is. If you, it's full of soil, that whole area is for plant roots to get water and nutrients from. If you put a bunch of, of uh, gravel in the bottom of your pot, then you just shrunk the area of soil that your plants can get water and nutrients out of. And here in Texas, when we hit summer especially, we need all the soil we can get. We need to, you watch TV and see little potted plants and stuff being talked about on some garden show somewhere. Uh, just look at the pot and say, well, I'm going to have to do about 50% or 100% bigger than that for it to survive well here in Texas. So that that is that is one of the things uh, that happens. The other thing uh, that's not good is you just moved the oversaturated section up. You didn't get rid of it. So fill the soil with with uh, fill the pot with soil. If you have drainage holes, sometimes I'll throw like a coffee filter over them or even a paper towel just to kind of hold the soil initially from just washing out of that hole. Now, they're going to rot away and be gone. Now, some people use window screening, you know, a little circle cut out of that. Well, you, you can do that if you want. Uh, but anyway, uh, that what's going to happen then? Your whole volume of soil is going to drain downward with gravity. Uh, it's going to lose the water, and then when it gets to the bottom, it's going to be wet right there at the bottom. That's just how it is, and it will dry out. Uh, but don't put things in the pot like that. The only time where I would recommend filling part of a container would be if you have a really, really tall planter, and you don't want to put that much soil in it. You don't want to buy that much soil. Then you can fill it up. And what some people do is they take like the little, you know, little water bottles uh, that we, we use for drinking water. Remember when we didn't have to buy water? Uh, there was just water fountains. And anyway, uh, the, the, those things with the lid on them are, are a nice little air pillow, if you will. And you can throw a bunch of those into the bottom of a very tall container. One time I was gardening out of, um, the tile that lines a chimney. There's these long sections of basically squared or rectangle uh, 
terracotta. And I didn't want to fill all that. So I threw a bunch of those in the bottom. And then I don't know what I did. I may have used a board or I may have used a metal screen or something like that to sit on top of them to kind of hold the soil from not just falling all in there. And I used much less soil. I still had plenty of soil, but it was that excessively tall container that I was trying to deal with. So that would be the only time I would do it. But even though it's, even though it is logical to think that gravel helps drainage, it only helps drainage and gravel. The soil is going to be as wet as it's going to be. Let's head out to Fairfield, and we are going to talk to Marty. Hello, Marty. Good morning, Skip. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, yesterday, you were talking about the nut sedge, and yes. I one area is just inundated with it, and I, I just can't seem to get it under control okay you said to make sure that the blades were gone and not get let the sun get to them so if i went out and weed eated weed ate whatever right if i put the weed eater on it and cut them all back and then um dug up the soil kind of till it Mm -hmm. would that do something to help it the rain's not helping any that's obvious Oh, it's making it very happy uh, yes, it is. And yes, truly, it, is. it truly is. Uh, yellow nutsedge, which is the more common one we have in our yard, uh, yellow nutsedge has a chemical inhibitor on the nut to keep other buds from sprouting at the same time. It, it has like, I don't know, seven or eight buds on that nut. That's why every time you chop its head off, wow. a new one comes up. Uh, and it, it wa- wet soil washes the inhibitor off, and you get increased sprouting and proliferation in oh. uh, wet conditions. So uh, don't overwater. That would be one help. And I assume this is a flower bed, not a yard, a lawn? Yes, okay. correct. So what I was saying uh, yesterday was uh, you need to treat it right away but if you are not going to spray it at least cut the top off and prevent it from getting stronger and making more daughter nutlets uh, from that plant uh, underground Uh, chopping the top off is not at all here's how you control nutsedge it it just it was my comment was more just at least don't let it have leaves you know once it has three to five leaves it is now replenishing the bulb and that bulb is sending out daughter plants and uh, I think it uh, one time I, I talked to some weed specialists and they said by about the 1st of May, it has already established daughter plants that are that are able to survive themselves without being connected to mom. And there's like eight or nine daughter plants on there. Uh, well, I have a tribe of daughters all over my yeah. garden. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I would I would get a product that is labeled for nutsedge control uh, in the area that you're using it. And some products that kill nutsedge may hurt some other plants. So you have to be real careful. I use a wiper applicator. Uh, for mine, uh, and and it's it, it's a homemade one, and you may have too much nutsedge for this, but you know the little tools that you grab a jar off a shelf. It, it's a little you yes. squeeze a trigger, and all right. Well, yes. if you on the end of those instead of suction cups or whatever they have, put two halves of a kitchen sponge, <laughs> cut cut one in right. half, and just attach with a bolt a half to each side, uh, and then you can squirt your nuts edge control on there and just reach down without even stooping and pull, squeeze the bottom of a, of a plant and pull it all the way up to get that whole thing wet. So if you'd like to, let's continue this after break. Can you hang on just a minute? Sure. All right. Thank you. You're listening to Garden Lines, the number 713 212 
Nelson Plant Food, their Turf Star line is uh, it is an amazing uh, series of products. They have a number of different lines. I mean, the, the, they've got the Color Star, Nutri Star, uh, Nature Star, and the Turf Star. Turf Star, number of different quality lawn fertilizers. For summer, I like to recommend Slow and Easy Twenty Two Two Ten. It gradually releases the nutrients to prevent. Increased thatching, increasing of thatch, having to mow more often, and developing a better root system for less water consumption. Slow and easy by Nitro, by uh, Nelson's Plant Food, 22 to 10. Well, good Sunday morning. On a good Sunday to be indoors this morning early, uh, you know, kind of watching the weather out there and taking care of your indoor plants. Let's go back. I was having a conversation with Marty up in Fairfield, and I wanted to continue that. Marty, I'm back, and I, I just want to add to it that you probably need to get something either that you can spray in on the plants, try to keep it off other things, just follow the label, or you can wipe on the sedge itself, whichever kind of way you want to apply whatever you've designed uh, you know to to create a wiper or purchase one uh, but there's a product called nutgrass killer 2 it's uh, by monterey i believe is the manufacturer of it but nutgrass killer 2 has an ingredient that is very good against nutgrass and its label is not just lawns some of the nutgrass killers are only labeled for lawns this one you can use it in landscape uh, beds as well and it won't kill the flowers uh you mean is is it selective uh, on on the nut sedge only? Yes. You know, I need to check and see. I don't know that. I would be very careful in using it, and I would have to read okay. the label, which I don't have just sitting in front of me. Um, I don't know that it's. We call those over the top. Uh, you know, the like you grass killers you just spray over everything and it only kills the grass uh, i don't right. know if it's going to be like that so i'm going to i'm going to suggest you look take a close look at the label on it okay and who who made it uh monterey monterey has monterey. uh yeah they have a, a nut grass killer two is the name of it i believe number two okay yeah. well i i can probably pull up the nut grass that's around the the plants that i have i have like lantana and esperanza mm -hmm. and stuff like that but um okay well, the, i will give that a shot the the alternative would be to get a long weeding fork that you can push down in the soil and you're as i'm pulling on and i've done these before but as i pull on a nut sedge plant and i use that um weeding fork kind of seesaw lever le Mm -hmm. like a lever or whatever, uh, you can tell if the nutgrass is coming up or if you need to push the fork down a little lower to get underneath okay. it. Uh, but I tell you, hand digging nutgrass nuts. Um, you got any kids? <laughs> if they ever misbehave, you can send them out to pull <laughs> nutgrass. I'm trying to come up with a strategy here for you. <laughs> Marty, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Thank that. you. Thank bye -bye. you, Skip. All right. Bye-bye. Now we are going to go talk to Arpod in spring. Hello, Arpod. Good morning. I love your show. Thank you. I've got two Asian pear full of fruit, and just recently I noticed that the, some limbs at the top begin to brown, and then the whole limb goes brown. Mm -hmm. And I'm concerned about that. 
Okay, so what that probably is a disease called fire blight. It's a bacterial disease, and uh, mm-hmm. it off it hits the, typically hits primarily the end of shoots, uh, and then it, but yes. it kills it kills its way back down sometimes pretty far. Uh, you want to prune those out below the dead, like cut into living wood below the dead. And then you want to have some something like Lysol, disinfectant spray, Lysol, and you spray your pruners, and then you make your next cut. Because, because it's a bacteria, it's really easy to spread it from one tree to another, from one branch to another. So do that little sterile spray uh, and just take it all out of there. In the springtime is when it's worse, uh, but I would, you know, there are some sprays that can prevent it, but... Most people don't so, don't bother with that. So, so spray it to cut after I cut it. Spray there. Spray spray the pruners. So oh oh oh! You, after at each first, cut. I'm having you cut into the healthy, not into the dead, because there we know we're picking up bacteria on our pruners. We right, want it, right, we want right. It well below, just a little below that. Cut it off, but then spray the pruners. So if you did get some on, when you go prune another branch or something, you're not just reintroducing right. it to that fresh cut wound you're making. I understand. I understand. And then I had, I had a second question, if I may. Sure. I had to cut down. I had to cut down two big pine trees in the back. And uh, once they were down, we saw that they were infested with termites. I didn't know that termites can kill a huge pine tree. So the gentleman that did the work pointed to a third pine and said that that one's probably going to die next year. So is there a way to save that tree? To, to my knowledge, uh, our pod, termites don't kill pine trees. Uh, they hmm. Termites work on dead wood. They're interested in like a two-by-four. That's what, that's what they want to eat. They don't go, in, to my knowledge, into the living tissues, the xylem and phloem that's alive, active uh, material. Uh, and uh-huh. so they will hollow out a tree. And we have some pretty horrendous types of termites here. You might want to call a good pest control company to come out and take a look. They could put some baits out or bait stations or whatever. Uh, I'm not a, mm-hmm. a termite specialist. Uh, but to right. try to control them, because as they do all that interior damage, then the tree becomes more likely to snap off in a storm. So the trees died probably a drought or something, and then the termites came in. You know, it could have it could have been a number of different things, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I, if we've got a arborist listening that can make change that, I'm I'm open to hear that. But I I'm 98 percent sure termites don't eat living tissues of trees. Okay, well, thank you so much. All right, Arpad, thank you for the call. Uh, you are listening to Garden Line. Our phone number is seven one three two one two. 5874. And now we're going to go to Northwest Houston and talk to Debbie. Well, uh, while we figure out how to work our way around the emergency alerts and everything, Debbie, if you want to hang on, uh, we'll try to get this fixed and I'll be happy to answer your questions. Uh, I just a while ago was talking to somebody about Nutsedge and just remember with Nutsedge, the most important thing is whatever you're going to do to it, dig it, spray it, whatever. Do it in the spring. When when those nutsedge plants have like three leaves, uh, start in on it. And every time you take one of those nuts out in the spring, you prevent having 10 nuts by the time we get to May. And so early, this is he who hesitates is definitely lost when it comes to nutsedge control. Uh, it is a, a pernicious weed and it's a problem to deal with, but it can be. It's not immortal. We can control it. I saw my problem 
good Sunday morning and a good morning to be indoors listening to a radio show about gardening. We're now going to head back out. And Debbie, do I have you live now? Hello, hello, Debbie. All right. I tell you what, Debbie, if you would just go ahead and recall, call back into the station. The number is 713-212-5874. We'll see if we can get this resolved. I tell you, that emergency alert just kind of sent everything into a sideways direction. Uh, but we're happy to wait. If you'd like to give us a call back, visit with you about that. You know, when it, when it comes to gardening, there, there are so many... Um, types of gardening, so many ways to go about gardening uh, that just keep it very, very interesting. Uh, you know, like, do you, do you like herbs? Do you like herb gardens? Do you like potted plants and hanging baskets? Uh, do, you, do you love flowers and flower beds? Or maybe you're a lawn ranger and your weekend is spent creating the perfect carpet for your landscape and you love that. Uh, flowering trees, uh, you know, it, fruit trees, it just doesn't stop. There's so many aspects of horticulture, of gardening, and they're all uh, they're all therapeutic. They're all valuable. Some of them even add significant interest in terms of price to your home uh, when you go to sell it. Well, we're going to give Debbie another try. Debbie is uh, eighth time the charm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I guess eighth time is not the charm. I am not able to hear Debbie, so I'm going to stick you back on hold. We'll eventually get that solved. All right, one more try. Hello, Debbie. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hooray, you're here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh, the gremlins have left the wires. <laughs> okay, great. Hey, I have a couple of questions. The sure. first one is um, I'm overrun with this, I guess it's a mulberry weed. Yes, there is um, one. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. And it it's all over my flower bed. And so I guess I just need to go pull it up. Is there anything that I can um, put on it to? Yeah. Okay. It, well, it, you mentioned flower bed. So the broadleaf mm -hmm. weed control products that would kill it after it's up, uh, I would mm -hmm. be very uh, hesitant to use those around a flower bed just because you, okay. it'll kill your flowers as well, your, your broadleaf flowers. Okay. Uh, so hand pulling is probably your best bet. The sooner the, sooner the better. I know you don't want to hear hand pulling, but uh, okay. it, because it produces seed and all those little nodes going up the stem. Uh, and mm -hmm. you don't want to give it time to create another 200,000 uh, additional problems per plant that you have right now. So uh, okay. I, would, All I, right. I would pull sooner rather than later. Uh, if, okay, after the rain, sure. Yeah, yeah, um, second, second question, um, I have a Joey avocado tree, and before... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The huge trees and the last trees, it it yielded about 120 avocados. It, wow. it loved it. I had compost back there. But now this last freeze got it, and so we cut it back as much as we can. So do I just make sure there's only one trunk coming up or several limbs? Or yeah. 
Yeah, I would. And I'd get the others off there. Cut them as close to what they're coming off of, whether it's a trunk or the base, you know, the base where a root attaches. Uh, cut them as close as you can to that to not encourage a lot of sucker sprouting from the base. But pick the one right. that looks best and then cut the, cut the stem off just above that. Give it a little more time to grow because right now the attachment of those new shoots is a little weak. They're pretty easily broken off probably. Uh, mm-hmm. and so give yeah. it a little more time to grow. Maybe a little later in this, in, as we get into summer, then go ahead and, and make a nice cut, maybe a quarter inch above where that current um, uh, attachment is on the trunk. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. A, yeah mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so you don't want to leave a trunk stub there. That'll just be a, a rotting, hollowed-out area that long-term is not good. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and we really enjoy you. It's, you're so easy to listen to and so full of information. And anyway, we, we're, we're so glad to have you now. Well, so. thank okay. you. And by the way, you're the you're the winning caller today when it comes to patience. So thank you for hanging around. I, I hope that okay. was helpful to you. Great. Thank you. You bet. Oh, uh, well, you're listening to Guardline, and, and we are here to answer your questions. That's why we're here. And we encourage you uh, to call. I, you know, I talk to, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that they listen to Guardline, but they never called in before. <laughs> and I can just tell by looking at their face, there's like this little mini terror uh, at the thought of being live on the air. It's only you and me. I think there may be one or two people listening. So take the pressure off yourself and just call. I promise to be uh, kind and gentle and helpful. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. Just, I, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, there are. But no, they're stupid answers. And so the problem and the pressure is on me. Uh, if you've got a question, somebody else is going to have that question. We have people listening that are veteran gardeners have been doing this probably longer than I have. Uh, that's a long time. Uh, we have people that are brand new. They haven't even tried gardening yet, and they just uh, they just want some help and advice. So do give us a call. Uh, we'd love to answer your questions and, and try to help you in a way. We're going to take a break right now, but the number is 713-212-5874. Enchanted Gardens and Enchanted Forest down in Richmond. I, I hope you've been there. If you haven't, you need to check them out. Amazing places, mystical, enchanting places, if you will, both of them. Uh, you know, I was looking, uh, I was actually at both of them within the past two weeks and just, just looking at the supply and what they have. Now, you can, you can find out more about them by going to their Facebook and Instagram pages. Each nursery has their own Facebook page and their own Instagram page. So Enchanted Forest, that would be the one in, uh, from Richmond in the Sugarland direction. Enchanted Gardens from Richmond toward Katy directions. Both well worth going to unique garden centers, excellent plants, excellent gifts, and lots of inspiration from well-trained, very educated staff. Well, good morning on a good Sunday morning for being inside, listening to and talking on the radio. To head out to Katie, our number is 713-212-5874. 713-212-5874. Let's head out to Katie and talk to John. Hello, John. Well, hello. Good, good morning. Good morning. 
A question for you. My daughter, she lives in Katy also. Her backyard is uh, being uh, overgrown with mint. Oh boy. The neighbor was growing some mint and it has spread and it's a fast grower and it's about taking over half of her yard. It smells good when you mow it. Oh, doesn't it ever? <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, we have, a, we have a fertilizer called sweet green, and this would be like a sweet green lawn, right? <laughs> you you, you right, just mow right. it and have this wonderful sweet smell come up. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, there's not a great answer to that. It's a broad leaf. It's got underground rhizomes that are just helping it spread, uh, just getting it out of the The only thing I can think of is it seems like it might come up faster and higher than the lawn. And if, if you could go with that mowing for long enough and then use sort of a wiper-type applicator on, on the mint, that would be applying a product. Uh, these, these things often look like a, a hockey stick or something. They're, they're a sponge yes. on the end. And you would just wipe the mint uh, with this product, and the, the lawn below wouldn't get any of the product on it, you know, or at least not not much uh and that's the only thing i can think of john uh to kill mint in a lawn without killing the lawn yeah it's just okay Um, i mean you could use a broadleaf you could use a broadleaf product uh just don't delay i mean actually i guess you probably uh the weed beater a weed beater ultra product would probably be a good one that that ought to work i can tell you it's not going to have mint on the label though uh so i can't I can't guarantee you that that it would work, but it, it kills over 200 broadleaf weeds, so it, it probably probably would work just fine. Another one you might want to try is is Fertilome has one called Weed Free Zone. Uh, same kind of product, okay. same kind of action, a little little bit different chemistry, but basically uh, very similar. Uh, and if you try those. And you do it before the temperature gets up mm, above, above the upper 80s, mid to upper 80s. So that means get it done pretty quick here. Uh, you may see a response from it on that. I don't know, but with mint, my gut is that you're probably going to have to treat them again a little bit later. Uh, just because there is so much material underground to be able to weather that storm and have a little bit of life left to come back. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Good luck. We, uh, yeah, I've, I remember we had mint that escaped into the yard when I was growing up, and I always look forward to mowing over that area because the fragrant, the fragrant smell of it. But we lived in a more arid climate where the mint was not as likely to just proliferate. It, it, mint doesn't like to get too dry, that's for sure. You're listening to Garden Line. I'm your host, Skip Richter. Our phone number is 713 212 5874 713-212-5874. We were talking about myths earlier with the putting gravel in the bottom of a pot. Don't put gravel in the bottom pot. It does no good at all, no matter what you think. Trust me, this is a physics problem. This isn't a horticulture problem. Uh, the physics of water movement in the soil is that you have to oversaturate the soil above the gravel before the water drips out. But with the capillary action, that pulls water to smaller spaces, and that's called your potting soil in there compared to the gravel, smaller spaces. So anyway, believe me or not believe me, that's true. By the way, uh, we're getting a lot of rain. So uh, after this rain, you need to do a little quick perusal through the yard. Find out where uh, you might have standing water. That could be a sagging gutter. 
That could be a uh, could be bird bath. Uh, it could be the catch basins underneath your plants. Any little spot where you have still stagnant water, the mosquitoes will drop their eggs in there, and in a very short time, they go through their life cycle, and now your little outdoor patio enjoyment area becomes a battle zone, right? So we want to avoid that. Everywhere you can get rid of standing water and get your neighbors to do it, too is a way to cut down on the number of mosquito problems. Now, if you've got stagnant water that, you know, you can't just get rid of, uh, maybe it's a little pond or something like that, uh, a mosquito dunk works. Mosquito dunks, you throw them in, they last about a month, they control mosquitoes naturally. That's just another option uh, for controlling mosquitoes. But the dunks are really, they're a really cool product and easy, and especially the fact that they're so safe, they won't harm pets, they won't harm, uh, you know, people, uh, they don't harm birds or fish or whatever because they're a disease of mosquitoes. To, to be nerdy about it, it's a specific kind of BT. Uh, you know how we have BT for caterpillars? Well, mosquito dunks are a different version of BT that works on mosquito larvae. It works really well. Very effective, very effective product. Well, let's see. We're getting kind of close to time to head out of here. Um, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back uh, for the next hour. Uh, let, I'm going to make a few more comments before we do go to break, though. Uh, we were we were discussing uh, mosquito dunks and we were discussing nutsedge and some other things earlier. Nutsedge being one of those weeds that is just so difficult to control. And another one would be the Bermuda grass. It's, it's one reason why I'm hesitant about a Bermuda grass lawn, because it just loves to invade flower beds. It doesn't understand where we want it to stop growing. But when you have those kind of problems, you need something. You either need to dig out those uh, rhizomes or nuts or runners, whatever, underneath the surface, or you need to spray a product that will go down in there and kill those uh, kill those runners. And, and don't delay. I mean, it, uh, so many people, if you put a garden bed out on your lawn, maybe you want to, you know, get one of these Vego beds and set it up out there on the lawn. If you have nuts, if you have Bermuda grass in the lawn, it's going to come up in the bed. Because there's no bottom on the bed, I mean, it, which is the way it should be. It connects to the soil directly. Well, it, it, you got to get rid of that first. I mean, go to great lengths to get rid of it before you create a garden bed in that area. Because it, when it gets in your beds, now we're trying to control it around our vegetables or around our flowers. And it just becomes much more tedious to do. So we want to avoid that weed uh, at all costs. Um, the, uh, I used to work in Austin, and we had an organic farm, uh, old organic farm, in the city of Austin, which was kind of cool, several acres. And the, they, you know, when, when you're organic, you can't just grab the Roundup to kill the nutsedge. I mean, you can't grab the, the grass-only killers either. I'm, excuse me, the Bermuda grass. You can't grab the grass-only killers either uh, because you're organic, can't use those things. Uh, and so they called it, their name for it was La Mala Mujer, the bad woman. <laughs> that was their name for Bermuda grass in the beds. We did some experiments on their farm where we uh, spread out a ground cover cloth, a large, like, 50-foot across ground cover cloth through the whole section of the farm, left it on for several months, and it did an awesome job of taking that Bermuda grass down to just a very minor uh, type of problem because it grows underneath there. It doesn't get light. It's moist and warm, so here it's growing. You pick up the cloth, it looks like spaghetti underneath there. It's about the same color as spaghetti because it can't get any light, uh, and that was one way that, that we found uh, to try to overcome that. Uh, but anyway, just, just some thoughts. I've done a number of experiments with the cloth for 
Bermuda grass control, and I also did one once for nut sedge control. Uh, so I hope that you are getting a few good tips today. Uh, this is Garden Line. I'll be back after the break. Our phone number is 713-212-5874. That's 713-212-KTRH. We have... Um, we have so many Ace Hardwares here in the greater Houston area that it's just, it's just convenient to find one. And if you want to find one, acehardware.com. You can find the one nearest you. Ace Hardware is it's that hardware store you grew up knowing about. You know where they knew what they were talking about. They greeted you. They, they knew you. And they directed you right to what they need. Well, that's true of Ace Hardwares. But so much more is true. Their garden sections, the products they carry, it's everything we talk about here on the show. They've got it and then some. Uh, I mean, you, I've spent 30 minutes just going down the line of products, noticing what they have, reading about them and learning about them. Pretty cool stuff. AceHardware.com. Check them out. KTRH Garden Line does not necessarily endorse any of the products or services advertised on this program. Welcome to KTRH Garden Line with Skip Richter. Good Sunday morning. On a good morning to be inside, looking outside, watching rain. I actually see a little break in the clouds, but I know that's not going to hold up. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate rain. We just wish we could divvy it out a little more evenly through the year, don't we? About uh, the time we start complaining about rain, we were reminded of the fact that sometimes in summer, it gets a little bit uh, dicey where we're trying to keep the plants alive with water and just no rainfall. Uh, so we're going to say thank you that it's raining today and be be glad for that. Uh, I'm, I am um, I was out working in my lawn uh, this this past week doing some I've got cypress trees and they send those knees up I wish they were the type of cypress that don't send knees by the way we do have those a Montezuma cypress is one but boy I've got a heavy clay soil and in that lack of oxygen soil conditions they are popping knees up everywhere so I haven't used a grubbing hoe out there uh, there's a little trick to it by the way uh, older gentleman uh, told me about that you know pop hit it on one side with a grubbing hoe on one side of the knee and then go to the other side so so you're kind of cutting the root going into the knee and coming out of the knee and it pops out pretty easy but it's not fun to do that <laughs> i was out doing that in my yard and i just noticed i have a section of yard where i'd i'd put down some microlife fertilizer and it was a 624 that's the green bag uh and it also by the way when you do the green bag you also do the humates plus which is the purple bag we call that composted or concentrated compost in a bag uh but it, the lawn it, it's kicking in it's greening up it's beautiful and i'm going to get that gradual release from that over time now if you if you're looking for nitrophos you're going to find it uh, if you go online, go to microlifefertilizer.com, microlife 
fertilizer.com to find your MicroLife fertilizer. Uh, they, they have all the different products. They've got not just lawn fertilizers, but a hundred other things. But right now, let's focus on the lawn and make sure we get it up and growing and green. And, and I was really pleased with the way mine has been uh, greening up. We are, uh, let's see, we are available by phone. Guess what? This is a call-in show, 713 212 One thing I didn't mention this morning, I haven't talked anything much about vegetables, and uh, it is a great time to be out in the vegetable garden. All those things we planted, uh, you know, when we got past the danger of frost, things like green beans and uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and summer squash and those things, they're all being harvested now. I've noticed on the summer squash, uh, and you will see this, uh, like the the yellow squash, crook neck or straight neck, for example, you'll see little whiskers growing on a fruit, and then the fruit just collapses and rots away. And that is a fungal disease uh, on the fruit. And you want to pick those off and get them out of the garden, because those whiskers are going to produce spores that will reinfect. Avoid overhead watering, too, by the way. Now, we're not able to avoid overhead watering today, are we? But where it's in your control, use drip or something else, because every time you get fruit wet, the squash fruit wet, you increase the chance of different kinds of diseases that might affect the plant. So you want to avoid that. But I was noticing some of that on, on the plants, uh, and it's, it's easy to deal with. But the thing I like about this part of the season is we also are putting in our warm season, our hot season gardening, if you will. And we have a lot of vegetables that do well here. And if you think about it, it makes sense. The, the problem, I, I, I don't know if it's a problem, but the issue with these vegetables is we don't know about them. You know, I grew up and our gardens were squash, cucumbers, tomatoes, the, you know, just the standard Texas garden vegetables. We have a lot of vegetables from parts of the world that have a somewhat similar climate, hot and humid. And those kind of vegetables, they're very happy to be in a Houston summer if you just give them a little bit of water. Uh, and we have a number of greens. Uh, Malabar green uh, grows in, in uh, very well in hot weather. Uh, the uh, Molokia is a green that does very well here. In fact, you only need about two plants because it makes a little bush. It's an annual, but dies back in the winter. But uh, you just trim the little tips out of the shoots uh, for use as you would a green. Uh, let's see another one. Uh, there's one called, it's a summer type of spinach. Um, uh, New Zealand spinach does pretty good here uh, in the warm season. Amaranth, uh, they're vegetable amaranths. They have big, bold leaves uh, that we would use as a summer vegetable. Uh, anyway, the list the list just goes on and on. There's a lot of options uh, included with our summer vegetables like okra and uh, southern peas, which is black-eyed peas, purple hull peas, cream peas, for example, all of those summer vegetables. Sweet potatoes, you know, they, they take a long time to produce their potatoes, but you need to get them in now if you haven't done so already to give them that time to be able to do that. Uh, and, and don't forget the, the cool season squash, the, the winter squash, they call it. I shouldn't say cool season, winter squash. And it's named that not because it grows in winter, but because it stores into winter. So you take something like a pumpkin, a uh, spaghetti squash, 
a butternut squash, an acorn squash. We let those go all the way to maturity before we harvest them. That's different than our summer squash. And then we can bring them in, put them on the counter, and they'll sit there for several months, depending on which kind of squash it is and the condition of it when you bring it in. Uh, but those are planted uh, in the summer also, or at this time of the year, because we need to give them 90 days, some some pumpkins maybe 120 days uh, into harvest. Uh, but just remember on those, watch the foliage for disease. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jesus. Number one reason we have problems growing something like a pumpkin or these squashes here is because the diseases get to their foliage. Powdery mildew is one of the worst, uh, and it just it'll just essentially take out almost all the foliage, and so you can't the plant can't make carbohydrates to make those fruit that we want to store and enjoy for months to come. And so you need to spray the foliage, whether you use organic products or synthetic. You need to protect that foliage from the diseases. And, and again, powdery mildew is a prime example on those. Well, you're listening to Garden Line. I'm your host, Skip Richter, and our number is 713-212-5874. A uh, little bit ago, I was talking about microlife and, and you know putting a fertilizer like that down on your lawn. And when it comes to finding products like that, number one, our sponsor products are available all over the place. But if you want to go to one place that has the best selection of everything, that would be Southwest Fertilizer. Uh, Southwest Fertilizer has been a Garden Line sponsor since the Dewey Compton days. In fact, I'm the fifth Garden Line host to speak for Southwest Fertilizer. Uh, but I tell you, Bob and his team, they are, they're excellent. If you bring a sample in there, they're going to identify it for you, and they're going to take you right to the product that works. And, and, and they're not going to sell you something that doesn't work, that you don't need. They're, the number of different herbicides, insecticides, and fungicides, including organic products, is like none other. It's amazing. Southwestfertilizer.com. Check them out. And when you go in there, you're going to come home with soils, fertilizers, any kind of pest control you need to do. And by the way, you can even get your lawnmower blade sharpened and you can get, um, get uh, some of the small engine repairs done in the shop that they have in the back. Yeah, I, uh, it, it, it's really interesting when you, when you go to a place that has a wide variety of products because a lot of the a lot of stores uh, that are, let's say, big boxish kind of things, the ones that are, you know, big company, multiple store, you'll find products in there. But a lot of times the, the special products you're looking for, you may not be able to find in there. And, of course, you're not going to get any help uh, in there and directing you from a horticulturally educated perspective on which product you might need to use. And that's that's really important. You know, we're always talking about our 
our uh, mom and pop nurseries, our independent garden centers, and places you know like uh, Southwest Fertilizer. It, the, there, in those kinds of places, you get people that take you to what you need, and that that's important. And by the way, they carry the things that you need too. Well. This is a call-in show, 713-212-5874. So let's go, and we're going to go to Palacia and talk to Greg, or Craig. Hello, Craig. Are Hello, you there? Skip. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I'm a long-time listener, never called, because I normally get my answers answers before my questions before I've even asked them, so I've just listened. <laughs> there you go. But, I, but, but I've got a new one I've never had before. Um... In November, I planted some oak trees, some big ones. They're four inches across at the base. I don't know what gallon size that is, but it's big. Um, and I did what the nursery recommended for me to do. They asked, they told me to just dig a hole the size of your root ball, put it in the hole, and pack it in real tight. So upon doing so, I'm kind of in a windy, wind-prone area, but I figured that the size of the root ball and such that the trees were going to be good to go. Nope. Um, yeah. About a week ago, a storm came through and blew the oaks over to about 30 degrees off 90, quite a bit. So when I and they and the uh, so the hole filled up with water, and I pulled the pulled the trees up straight vertical and this time staked them off. But in doing so, it raised the trees probably two, some two inches, some three inches. Yep. And it raised them up because of the sediment, I suppose, that got underneath the tree. That's so, right. That's what happens. I, yeah, I dug a hole adjacent to the root ball, bigger, uh, put a coffee can in it, and drained all the water out for a couple, let the water seep into that hole for a couple of days, and got as much water by natural drainage as I could out. But now I'm worried that, of course, I've got, I've got an air pocket in there because of the one side that was touching the ground that got raised up, and I've, so, and I've got a... So I've got air pocket. I know I've got saturated roots, that, and it's in real, real dense clay. I mean, this is like concrete clay. Yeah. Uh, what do I, what do I make sure I do to, so I don't lose these trees? Yeah, wow, what a situation. And not an unusual one, though, uh, Craig. Uh, so when a tree blows over, it's always a good idea to get in the hole and dig out what is probably washed in uh, first, uh, as you as you were describing, you know this, uh, and, and get it staked upright, uh, and, and I'm going to talk about staking in just a moment, but I wouldn't worry at this point about like an air pocket under it. Uh, I think that with the root ball from the container and everything, you're probably going to be okay, uh, and it you know, it, you don't need to go to the great lengths of essentially almost re-digging it up and replanting it, but uh, I would... I would make sure that it's staked from uh, three directions would be best. Make sure that one stake is pointing toward the southwest, especially because that's the prevailing wind, and so you've got a real direct uh, line holding it. Make sure the lines you use, number one, are not stuff that, like a wire that would cut into the branches or cut into the trunk. Something Use something that's designed to go around a tree, a strap, or there's other plastic gadgets. But... Um, Leave the wires slightly loose, just a little bit, because you want that trunk to move. You don't want the tree to blow over, but you want to allow it to move just a little bit, and that will help strengthen the trunk. And you should not leave, need to leave those stakes on 
past, oh, let's say six months to definitely not past a year from now, that tree will be well rooted in. And the, the issue with your soil, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we can't fix that. All we can do is try to pick species that are going to do well in that soil. And, you know, the live oak's a good, a good species. I mean, Houston is basically a live oak forest. Uh, it's really, there are a lot of live oaks around here. So I, I think, do you, do you have a follow-up on that or does that kind of answer your question? Well, I'm worried about you some sort of any like root rot or something setting in something that's going to kill it from below that I that I can't see. Well, it, it won't kill it, but it will kill some roots down there. Uh, and I, you know, again, it, are there live oaks in your neighborhood? Do you see live oaks around? Uh, actually, yes, but very few. I'm right on the bay, right on right on Matagorda Bay. Well, I think it's going to be fine. I would straighten it up and just, you know, take good care of it. Give it a little fertilizer. Make sure you keep it mulched. Keep the lawnmower and weed eater away. And I think that's the best you can do. And I, that, uh, I think, is going to do good, Craig. Hey, I'm going to have to run. I'm, I'm pushing up against a break here. Our phone number is 713-212-5874. Well, you're listening to Garden Line on a nice Sunday morning to be inside listening to the radio and maybe calling the radio. Our number is 713-212-5874. You know, we were just talking with Craig uh, about the uprooted tree, and it, it just reminded me, when, when you plant a tree, and, and, and I just am so happy to see this new product out that, we, that they have called Tree Hugger Sprinklers. When you plant a tree, you need to invest the small amount of money in that little sprinkler to take care of the large amount of money you put in that tree. And so they have them in 7-inch, they have them 11 and 15, and it goes around the tree. And when you turn the water on, you can turn it on, you know, with a lot of pressure and make and water a big area. Or you can have it just, you know, come up where it's just spouting a couple of inches above the sprinkler if you want to water that root ball. And we're going into summer, so trees that you've been planting, you know, let's say since January, January, uh, especially, uh, they're not getting that root system fully established out into the lawn around them. And so that root cylinder that came out of the pot is where all the roots are. And that's why the tree hugger works so well at helping protect that investment. You, you can find out more about them at treehuggersprinklers.com. I find them in independent nursery centers, uh, certainly hardware stores like Ace. Uh, hardware is going to have them. Treehuggersprinklers.com is, is well worth it. And so I, I would encourage you. Uh, to just protect that investment that you've put in a really nice tree or shrub or rose bush. They work great on roses, too. Protect them with a tree hugger sprinkler, and you'll have a lot better results. Uh, trees are one of the things that make the phone ring. You know, we say we got trees, turf, and tomatoes. <laughs> well, the three T's. Trees are definitely one of them. We get a lot of calls on trees and questions about trees. Uh, I've, I've talked to you before about affordable tree service, but we only we only have one tree service that we really uh, advocate for here on Garden Line, and that is affordable tree service. You can go to afftreeservice.com or just call call Martin and Joe. Just call them, 
713-699-2663. Make sure you tell them that you're a Garnline customer. Martin, if, if, by the way, if Martin or Joe don't answer, hang up. You've called the wrong place with affordable in the name. Unfortunately, there's more than one. Affordable Tree Service, Martin and Joe, that's who you want to talk to. They do everything your tree needs from planting, deep root feeding, uh, pest control, uh, pruning on the tree. They come out and do bids for free. Uh, and th- the experience that they have, they know what they're doing. And that's why we are so fond of their service and we can depend on them. Because every time I've talked to several Garden Line listeners uh, who've had affordable tree service work done and you know, I mean, it's like they feel like a friend just showed up and uh, someone they can trust, someone that doesn't oversell, that takes care of them. Uh, and boy, that's the kind of stuff I like to hear. Well, our phone number is 713-212-5874. I'm going to head out to Lake Livingston and we're going to talk to Bob. Hello, Bob. Good morning, Skip. How are we doing today? We're doing well. Good, good. Hey, um, you were talking about the knees on your cypress tree. I've got property at Lake Livingston. I've got a beautiful cypress that is probably about 30 feet from the bulkhead. And, you know, of course, on a riding mower, man, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting bounced all around because of these knees. Yep. Tell me again how to, can I, can I grind those down? You were talking earlier about your issues. Yeah, yeah. First of all, there's not going to be a good answer, but here's the here's some answers. Uh, I used to use like a reciprocating saw and just cut them off at yeah. the surface. I don't know that that's a hard cut. I even putting a pruning blade into a reciprocating saw still didn't make it that workable. But you got a root that's running along not far underneath the surface, and then a knee pops up somewhere on the root. And so you can kind of usually, if you look at the tree and and hit your grubbing hoe on that side of the the, the knee, uh, you're going to be catching the root coming from the tree. Some they don't always run just directly out from the tree, but that's always a good guess. But one good hard chop on the both the tar- tree side and the away from the tree side uh, on each side usually pops those things right out. Sometimes you got knees that are already big. You know, maybe you have sawed them off so many times that now they're six inches across. Well, that's going to take a little more work. But I'm yeah. telling you, I understand the pain with mowing over them. I'm, you can't run barefoot through the yard because, oh, my gosh, it, you, yeah. it would get your, your feet and ankles. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thing. I thought, you know, bringing in the stump grinding guy, but you know, I didn't want to affect the tree because it's probably got a 36-inch uh, uh, diameter trunk on it. And, uh, you know, we don't really go over in that area. But, yeah, just, you know, my, my fillings fall out of my mouth when I'm running over those things with the mower. Well, I thank you for your time, sir. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Appreciate that call. Yeah, I wish I could go back 40 40 years in time and and, uh, get people to plant Montezuma cypress or uh, another strain that doesn't have the knees because, oh, my gosh, (laughs) once you got them, you got them. And it's kind of a pain, uh, very much a pain in the neck uh, to deal with. Uh, You know, I've got uh, Bill on the line. Bill, we're going to come back to you after break. I want to give time for us to be able to talk. But right now, I'm just going to just going to talk for a minute about a couple of things. Uh, We talked about fertilizing. And when you fertilize your lawn, you need to put down azomite after your fertilization. And that's because azomite is a product that has all the trace elements you need for your lawn. 
So you fertilize, and then you add the azomite. Now, I use it in my vegetable gardens because azomite has nutrients that plants don't need, but my body needs. And I want those nutrients to be in the produce that I eat from the vegetable garden. AzomiteTexas.com. If you'd like more information, AzomiteTexas.com. Good morning on a good morning to be inside listening to a gardening show. Uh, this weather is coming in bands, as Nikki said, and so uh, it's a good time to be inside. Hey, I, I wanted to mention uh, on next Saturday, Saturday the 20th, I'll be at the Sugarland Home and Outdoor Living Show. It's at the Stafford Center in, uh, in Stafford. Uh, the times are 1130 to 130. So I hope all of you live out west, southwest, even south. Come on over there and uh, let's meet. I'd love to meet you. Sugarland Home and Outdoor Living Show next Saturday at the Stafford Center in Stafford from 1130 to 130. Right now, we're going to head out and talk to Bill in the Woodlands. Good morning, Bill, and thanks for hanging on. You're welcome. I never realized it took so long for all the news and ads. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we help? Well, I've always wanted to have an avocado tree, and I had a beautiful one in California. And it's very disappointing here in the woodlands. I haven't had anybody give me any encouragement on how I might be able to raise an outdoor uh, avocado tree. Okay. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, here's the first thing I would do, because in a a call on the radio, I can't give you the whole nine yards on on raising an avocado. But if you will go to aggie-horticulture.com, at dot t-a-m-u dot edu or you could just google search whatever for aggie horticulture there's a web page and on that page is a fruit and nut resources and there is a fact free fact sheet you can look at online or download for every fruit you can imagine including avocados so you can get a multi-page full color fact sheet that goes through the whole nine yards on what you need to know about avocados and i would definitely start there and if you have any follow-up questions feel free you know to give us a call back but that yeah, that's What's the most likely to survive? Uh, What is the most likely avocado variety or what what are you asking me? To survive our cold weather here. Yeah. So the the, uh, Mexican avocado uh, uh, is probably uh, the one that we use most uh, here. There's a Guatemalan and Mexican hybrids that are used. All that's in the publication, you know, the varieties. You'll see varieties like like Lula or Wilma, for example. Uh, they, they've they proven to be hardy. In places like San Antonio, which is actually colder than here, uh, that's where they originally found some of these varieties that are now being spread around. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Just, thank you. Yeah, the, the avocado in the store... The black bumpy one <laughs> is not hardy at all. And so if you plant, some people like to plant those seeds, stick toothpicks in them and put them in a glass of water. That's fine just for fun. But don't grow that one and don't graft onto it because then your rootstock isn't hardy. Uh, but go buy the kind that are quality, quality. And when you go to a good garden center, you know, they're going to have the ones that you need and they'll point you to them. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Bill, thank you for that call. Uh, let's head out now to League City. Uh, we're going to talk to Jason. Good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning, Skip. I've got some peach trees that I've raised from seeds. They're, I've got a couple of them that are about a year and a half old and some that are just about six months. Okay. And 
<clears throat> and I'm getting some flies on the on the leaves, and I've also found some ants in the in the pots that they're growing in right now. How okay. can I take care of this? Well, the flies on I know of no pest of peaches that is anything like a fly on a leaf. So I think those are incidental. Uh, there are different reasons that insects will go around a peach. Peach have what peaches have what's called extra floral nectaries. That means little spots where the it's at the base of the leaves that secrete a sweet substance, a nectar type substance. And you'll have insects that go to that, especially wasps like it. Uh, but I don't know why the flies are there or what they are, but they're not a pest of the of the the tree itself. Um, you mentioned uh, the ants in the pots. Those, again, are not going to be ants that attack the tree or hurt the tree. If they're fire ants and you don't want them, just get some. Get a product called Come and Get It. I believe it's still made by Fertilome, but Come and Get It Fire Ant Killer. It's an organic fire ant killer. It's labeled to be used in, like, vegetable gardens, food production. And you just put that bait around and let them find it. Don't disturb the mound, and that that should take them out. If it's other kinds of ants, I wouldn't worry at all. Okay, very good. All right. All right, thank you very much. All right, thank you for the call, Jason. I appreciate that call. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is the season when birds out in the landscape are uh, raising their, their nests of young. In fact, they're, they're well into that process by now. And if you've never been into a Wild Birds Unlimited store, I was in one the other day. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to be at the uh, new Clear Lake store coming up. I'll talk about that more later. It's like Saturday, May 27th, two Saturdays from now. But Wild Birds, they just have everything you could need. And they have the knowledge. You know, it's not just somebody selling you, oh, here's a bag of, quote, bird feed. Uh, during the nesting time, they'll sell you dried mealworms, which is exactly what birds need, that protein to be able to raise a nest of youngs. Bird seed is not that helpful as uh, the protein sources, but they know that kind of thing. They can set you up with feeders, uh, with, uh, by the way, it's a good, good Mother's Day gift there too. Uh, maybe a hummingbird feeder would work out. Check out Wild Birds Unlimited. Go to the website. Here it is, wbu.com, and you will find the wild birds in your area. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, good Sunday morning on a good morning to be inside listening to a garden show. Nikki was talking about we had some clearing, and here comes the next band, uh, just like she predicted, coming over us. Uh, by the way, I am going to be out at the Sugarland Home and Garden Show next Saturday. Now, I mentioned that come by and see me, you know, at the booth, and it's always always the same instructions. Bring me some plants, bring to identify, or bugs to identify, or, or diagnose a problem. Bring me pictures on your phone. I'll be happy to look. I'm going to be there for an hour at the booth, uh, just at the booth. But the first hour, I'm going to be doing a seminar in the classroom. I'm going to give you success tips for gardening. That starts at 1130, so I'll be there from 1130 to 130. Sugarland Home and Garden Show, Stafford Center in Stafford. I 
hope you can make it out. I always love to meet meet listeners and help you work through some of the issues that you might have with your plans. Well, right now, our phone, first of all, not just right now, our phone number is 713 212 Five eight seven four. And right now, we're going to go to Southwest Houston and talk to B. Good morning, B. Good morning, Skip. Um, I got to ask about my parsley plant. I've never grown parsley before, and I followed Randy's instructions, and it, it was doing very well. And now it's got this big um, stalk in the middle of it, and it doesn't seem to be as bushy. So should I cut the stalk off? You can you can do that. Uh, what the parsley is doing is blooming, uh, and this happens with cilantro. It happens with parsley. It happens with our spinach. It happens with our lettuce. Uh, as the days start to get longer, uh, it signals the plant to bloom, set seed, you know, and and propagate itself, if you will. So you can cut that off. You may find that the bush doesn't do a whole lot more past that, but I would give it time and see. Keep giving it good care. But, uh, yeah, that's what's happening. By the way, if you want to leave it, the blooms of parsley are very attractive to some of the little beneficial insects, like the tiny wasps that attack aphids. Uh, So sometimes I'll leave a few things in my garden to just bloom for that purpose. What do the blooms look like? Uh, They're kind of an umbrella-like cover, like yarrow, I guess, and a little bit, or Queen Anne's lace, somewhat similar to that. Different in their own way, but uh, they're they're that um, umbellifery family, if you will, and it reminds the word reminds me of umbrella because that's what the bloom looks like. But will it still put out parsley shoots? Uh, it may produce some more. I, you know, in the past, I've had my parsley hang around for a while, and I've also had it die back. Uh, after oh, so did I get so, a new parsley? Oh, you could. Yeah. There's, oh, okay. Oh, well, then I'll do that. Good reason to do that, but but again, that. That blooming is, you know, for nature, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll watch it bloom, and then I'll buy a new parsley plant. There you go. There you go. Sounds like you've got a plan, B. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, uh, herbs, uh, and I don't. sometimes I don't know whether to call something a vegetable or an herb, but uh, the herbs just enhance gardening in so many ways. They season our food. And it's so easy to grow herbs. You can grow parsley in your vegetable garden. Put it at the end of a row. Uh, I will grow a number of different herbs that bloom in my vegetable garden just to attract beneficials because you want them to be hanging around. And if you want success with gardens, okay, this is a garden line quiz. (laughs) What is the most important thing you do if you want to have a successful, uh, a beautiful flower bed or a bountiful vegetable garden? Well, I hope you said start with the soil. And that's right. You do start with the soil. Uh, when you get the soil right, everything thrives. And heirloom soils is uh, out in the porter. They will deliver some of the products they have to you, but they can deliver also in what's called a super sack. Think of a big old giant grocery sack, but full of one cubic yard of the product that you bought. Go to Heirloom Soils of Texas. Dot com, And when you're there, click on their soil cubic yard calculator. And if you've got a little box that you want to fill up with soil and you don't know how much to buy, that will tell you exactly how much to buy. And the quality soils they have will really make your garden do well. I've used them myself, found them to be very, very good. We're going to uh, stop talking about soil for a second. I want to go over and talk to Steve out in Tomball. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. 
I need a little advice this morning. I kind of made a bonehead mistake, and, and uh, I sprayed some image lawn weed and crabgrass killer on my St. Augustine grass. And, okay. and as it turns out, it wasn't wasn't made for St. Augustine, and it's it's starting to yellow, Okay, uh, dying off, obviously. Yeah. Is there any remedy to that? Not at this point. Uh, just wait. It'll probably come out of it. Uh, it, yellowing is not unusual for even the regular image uh, on on grass, but I would I, I would just give it time. There's no thing to make the herbicide go away. Uh, you know that that's going to really help. It just needs a little bit more time. Okay. Hopefully the damage oh. isn't too severe and it will bounce right back. Okay. Okay. Very good. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate that call right. very much. We're going to go to Rosenberg and talk to Rob. Good morning, Rob. Hey, how you doing? Um, I have a question. I, I, I wanted to plant some... Uh... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mimosa trees mm-hmm. out in my backyard for the shade, but I don't see them around. I mean, I think it, is, is it pretty much a, is it kind of a nuisance tree because of how fast it grows? Yeah. And I was once wondering how how well it would do out here. You know, people have mixed feelings about mimosas. They don't live long. They have a number of issues that can take them out eventually. Uh, but oh my, the blooms are unbelievable. And the form of right. the tree is, is really attractive, too. So normally we don't consider trees to be like a, a perennial or something that we'd have for a while and then get rid of. But that's that's the future if you plant a mimosa. I'm not sure where you would find mimosa. You're out in the Rosenberg area. I would call the two Enchanteds out there, first of all, and see if they carry yeah. them. That'd be my first stop. But, uh, yeah, they're they're good trees, but just know that this is not a, a typical tree in the landscape. This is something you're planting for 10, maybe years of enjoyment. What about what about that as opposed to, uh, um, like, a crepe myrtle? I, I know those don't live very long either, but no, they, cre- will they live longer oh, than yeah. a mimosa? Yeah, crepes live a lot longer. In fact, a okay. very, very okay. long time, yeah. That, that would be another good choice. Just make sure you get one that's resistant to powdery mildew to save you the headache of that particular problem. Okay? Well, the, I haven't I haven't really seen – so I'm from uh, Lake Charles. I haven't really seen mimosas out here. And okay. I know, obviously, I guess people don't really plant them because they don't live that long. Yeah. But would it, would it grow with, like, proper feeding and watering? Oh, absolutely. They grow like a weed. Uh, and that, exactly. Yeah. That's why people you, don't like. Yeah, if you can find one, that's a woody weed. Yeah, they'll do fine. Hey, uh, I'm going to head off to another call, Rob. Uh, we're going to go to Tiki Island and talk to Jeff. Uh, hello, Jeff. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. So I've got questions. Uh, the mango tree didn't flower this year, but it's expanding very rapidly. So I'm I'm assuming I'm going to have to like cut it back because uh, it's it's quite large. Okay. Last year when I did it, I made some cuttings out of it, and they seem to be doing okay, but they're not getting any larger faster. So I want to 
uh, rack your brain uh, on how you would go about doing it. Good sunlight, good drainage in the container, and uh, just regular gradual fertilizer is the best thing. That ought to, they ought eventually ought to get going for you. What about a dragon fruit? Uh, dragon fruit, a uh, good care. They they do well here. Uh, I know Vego Beds makes a special little bed with a, a rack on it for for growing your dragon fruit, and that's a cool one. It just you know with the the things you're talking about, they're not totally cold hardy, uh, but with a little care, you can you can get them through. Jeff, okay. thank I, you very much, sir. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Hey, if if you've not been out to Arborgate, I was just out there yesterday. We had a great time, but you can go to online to arborgate.com. I tell you, that place looks awesome right now. And the number of products, not not just plants, but all kinds of products for your gardening and for your home. They also have the Arborgate 123 Completely Easy System. That would be a food to feed your plants, a soil for any application, and a compost to improve your soil. All completely organic. And you find them at arborgate.com. I'm going to head over to uh, New Vienna, Ohio, and we're going to talk to Jim. Jim, is is that really the state of Ohio? Yeah, yes, sir. New Vienna. Yes, sir. I called uh, Randy years ago. Okay. And, uh, first time calling your show. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and I appreciate you calling back. How can we help? Uh, well, we had pretty bad winter this uh, this past season here. It got down to minus 9 with a wind chill of minus 39. And I had a, a, I guess it's a rose tree out okay. on the back porch here. I protected the upper part of it. I built a wall with uh, landscaping fabric. Uh, hey, hey Jim, up. Jim, we're, we're yeah. nearing the end of the of the hour, and so I'm going to try to help answer for you. I'll, we may have to hold you over to the next hour, just kind of letting you know. Okay, I'll wait. Okay. Well, I mean, you don't have, you don't have to stop talking just this moment, but... Uh, if you uh, okay, let's, well, I, I I protected it with landscaping fabric about uh, what are they about two three feet tall? Yes, and I filled that with leaves to protect the upper part. Okay, but did that cold kill the plant? Because uh, it was in a, it wasn't in the ground; it was in a, a, a big pot. All right, so let me let me come back to that after break. Just hang on, and I'll address that issue. You're listening to Garden Line. Give us a call seven one three two one two fifty eight seventy four. KTRH Garden Line does not necessarily endorse any of the products or services advertised on this program. Welcome to KTRH Garden Line with Skip Richter. Well, a good Sunday morning to you on a good day to be inside listening to Gardening Radio, right? And by the way, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, we know what all you did for us, and we know the sacrifices that were made. We know the love that was given, and we're just very appreciative of all you did for us, I mean, beginning with giving us life itself. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Well, we're going to go back. We're talking to uh, Jim up in New Vienna, Ohio, and we're talking about rose uh, roses that froze. And so, Jim, are you looking for ways to protect them in the future? Yeah, it's a... A rose tree, I guess you might call it, on a three-foot-long... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be... That's a challenge. You know, normally with the roses and the climate like you've got up in the Midwest there, 
uh, if, if you've got a variety, first of all, some varieties are hardier than others, which is a good thing. Uh, but if you've got a variety that's going to be a little cold tender for your area, uh, people will they'll wrap the, the stems all up together, kind of with twine, you know, creating a little upright uh, stems on the bush, and then mound up a lot. You can use soil or you can use mulch, but I'm talking like a foot deep or more. Uh, and just to protect that base, that way if the top freezes back, maybe you get some sprouting from the base. That That's very helpful. But with your tree rows, you got a long stalk of a trunk with your variety grafted way up there in the air. Uh, that's That stalk is a different, probably a different uh, species. I, I could be wrong on your particular rows, but uh, those are hard to protect. And you just almost have to have some sort of a mounded uh, cover over them with some source of heat underneath to just bring the severe cold down to just a hard freeze and the roses will get through that. Uh, but that's a lot of trouble to go through and probably you have to leave it on for long periods of time when you have one of the kinds of winters you can have up there. Can I just bring it in the garage on a really, well, I don't know, maybe below 32 degree days or... Oh my gosh, is it's in a container. I missed that. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, get if it's not on, on wheels, you can slide a little uh, dolly or hand truck underneath the edge of the pot, put a strap around it to hold it onto the dolly, and it makes it so easy to move it in. And absolutely, yes, you can leave it in there for long periods of time if you need to. Really? Yeah. It was still you okay with no sunlight? Yeah, well, when I, I shouldn't say, when I say long periods of time, I'm talking about two or three days getting through a freeze, you know, a real bad, bad spell. Uh, even a week would be okay, but yeah, you you do want it to be able to have sunlight. Usually, you know, the day temperature warms up enough, it could it could be run outside to catch a little sun and then put back in if you're going to have a number of nights of hard freezing. And how about watering? Do you still uh, need to water it a lot or no? Keep the roots adequately moist. That's all. It's not using hardly any water at all, but you don't want them to completely dry out. When the plant is stressed, its cold hardiness is decreased, and so you don't want to create a drought stress in that container. Awesome news. Thank you so much. I love your show, and uh, be safe out there. Well, thank you. Tell everybody in Ohio to listen to Garden Life. I appreciate the call, Jim. Let's head up to, or down to Sugarland. We're going to talk to Fred. Good morning, Fred. Hi, Skip. Hey, listen, we're really enjoying your show, the clarity you bring to it, and the advice you give. Thank you. Thank you. My question has to do with knockout roses on the east side of our home, front yard. We're getting a little too much shade now. Uh, we just know that the fungus is going to come. I'm wondering, is there something we should start doing earlier on, maybe to, as a preventative? They're just beautiful now, the leaves and, and, yeah. and the plants, but uh, we know what's coming. You know, if you have a susceptible rose that, that can get the black spot or powdery mildew, then then you do just need to spray. And those those products are better used as a preventative. We have some that are systemic and, and some that just coat the surface of the leaf. What, what I would recommend uh, that you do is... Uh, Find a you're in Sugarland area. You got a, a number of good Ace hardwares that are out uh, in your area. You know, there's Plantation Ace, 
uh, in your general area out there in uh, Sugarland. Uh, you've got a. Uh, uh, let's see. We're gonna. I'm going to south. I'm trying to direct you to some places uh, that are going to have that kind of, of uh, uh, protection. Oh, there's a M&D supply right there in uh, in, in uh, Rosenberg also that you can use. Okay. But this, I've been in there, and the selection of the of the fungicides is great. And a, and a qualified you know person that works there can direct you to your options. We have a number of things we can use on roses to fight uh, different kinds of diseases, and it would be good to go with one of those products and they can direct you to the ones they carry that are going to work the best. So are we talking sprays rather than drenches? Yes, we are talking for spraying the foliage. You know, if it's a systemic, that'll move in and give you a longer period of protection. If it's uh, just a surface fungicide, a lot of the organics are surface fungicides, those uh, you're going to have to repeat periodically because they, they're not moving into the tissue to kill the diseases. They are just on the surface and so therefore they wash off. Great. Thank you. You have time for another real quick one? Yes, sir. Uh, we're nine years into a new yard, a new home, and we've you know, done lots of things through the years, all the products added to it and all. I'm wondering, do we ever reach a point where enough is kind of enough in terms of, of all these additional products we add to the yard? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the the, the uh, brown patch question brought that to mind. Yeah. No, uh, you know, it, you could. I mean, you could, but it depends on what your yard needs. And and for a lot of folks, uh, there are there are things that are add-ons that are really important and that they they really help with that. And so uh, I don't think we're there yet, uh, but it may be that your yard needs a different mix of things. And some of the add-ons you don't need, and someone else, it would be a different mix of things. So uh, it just kind of depends on the situation when we're talking about those kind of products. Yeah, we've used a lot of compost, and we use the MicroLife products. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And, Excellent. And, we've, and we uh, had it aerated this year, but we've always had a, a big brown patch problem and weed problem. Well, uh, I hope that gets you off to a good start. Hey, I appreciate the call out there, and I'm going to be out in Sugarland again next Saturday from 11 to 1. Uh, Fred, I hope you could stop by. Uh, we'd love to meet you. If you live up in, uh, let's say, Magnolia area, uh, FM 2978, you know what I'm talking about? This is just minutes away from Grand Parkway and Highway 249. Spring Creek Feed. Spring Creek Feed carries all these fertilizers that we talk about. Uh, the really friendly, courteous staff. By the way, if you are a kiddo in FFA, 4-H, if you are military or senior citizens, there's discounts for you. And they'll special order. If they don't have it, they'll order it for you. Spring Creek, Creek Feed, it is a pleasure to walk through. I'm always amazed when I go in there. The... Um, the uh, next caller I want to go to this morning is Jim out in Cyprus. Uh, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Rick. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. How can I, I help? Was, my, I, had, I had called yesterday. I'm trying to get some confirmation that the weed I'm fighting in my lawn is sandbur. Okay. And I was hoping that a picture I sent you yesterday might help you to help me. Uh, determine that and then treating it i i bought some image at at ace that it's image kills night nuts yeah but it doesn't say anything about applying it before or after rain and i thought you might be able to jim based 
Yeah, based on based on your picture, it looks like what you're dealing with is dollar weed. So check for that on the label of the the products that contain more than just a regular image. Uh, make sure that it is the weed on the label. You want to get it down and have at least uh, four, three or four hours uh, before you get a rain on it. But if I'm seeing rain coming later in the day, I would not apply it. And if I'd already applied it and it got rained on, I'd watch it for a week after that and probably need to go back and apply it again. Okay, so it looks like you say dollar weed. It looks like dollar weed, but the photo, it's its not up close and real sharp, crisp where I can see for sure. But I think that's what you're dealing with. Does dollar weed have spi- little spikes on it? No. Little, i tell you what, uh, this, Jim. This is really sharp. Yeah, take, take another picture up close, check it, and make sure it's in good focus, and I'll give it another shot. I'll be happy to do that. Thank you very much. We're going to have to run to break. 713-212-5874. Well, nice choice of music, Ryan. It's appropriate for today. Oh, gosh. Hey, I want to tell you about uh, a, a product. If you have a small acreage, you know, and you just want to take care of that acreage, you need to consider a, a Kubota tractor from Lansdowne Moody. Now, Kubota has their Texas edition right now, and it's the Kubota L2501. You got that hydrostatic transmission. Uh, you can trick it out with, you know, add a front-end loader, add a box blade or a rotary cutter. Do as much as you want. It is a blast to drive one of those things, and it is a great way to take care of your property. Go to LM tractor.com but don't delay on this because listen to this deal zero down zero interest for 84 months seven years the lansdowne and Kubota are a great combination just do it before june 30th that's when this deal is over and you can't beat a deal like this i uh want to wanted to head out and talk to we've got a lot of calls on the board right now but i'm going to start by heading up to uh willis and we're going to talk to mike a good day mike how are you uh, good day. Um, I'm heading to the Arbor Gate right now. I've got about 50 or so muscadine grapes, and I was told that she's got some, uh, well, I was there the other day, but she's got some seedless muscadine grapes. Oh, wow. Cool. And so I'm going to put another row in. But my question on the grapes was summer pruning. You know, I've got uh, three varieties of muscadine grapes, so pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. So is it okay? And they're about seven years old, uh, uh, and they're all trellised out <clears throat> for picking and stuff. <clears throat> for pruning the, the vines that are really aggressive, thinning them out, is it okay to do that? Or how aggressive can you summertime you you can do some of that uh here's what here's what i want to do just to to help you more than i can in the the short call time on the radio go to aggiehorticulture.tamu.edu that's actually aggie-horticulture.tamu.edu there's a button there for fruit and nut information their fact sheets and there is a sheet just on muscadines and it goes through everything some of the varieties are a little bit older varieties on the list because new ones keep coming out Uh, but they have information on planting trial pruning, fertilizing, weed control, all that is right there on the list. And, and I think that would be the most uh, fruitful thing that you can do for, uh, you know, figuring yeah. out how to handle that. Yeah, I've, I've done a ton of research and stuff, but I couldn't really get anybody, you know, they had some videos of summer pruning 
but um, <clears throat> okay. Well, if you, that's, you know, I'll go ahead and look at it. Well, to make yeah, to, to just simplify it though, Mike, just uh, you can remove yeah. the twiggy stuff that you know what what you feel like is in the way or whatever. You can do some of that. It's just most of our pruning we do in the winter time. But with muscadines, they are yeah. so darn vigorous that I think you have to stay on it a little bit. What was your next yeah. question? Um, you know, actually, I called you a couple of weeks ago about this black leaves coming on my pear trees. And you said cut cut the limbs off. Now, I have cut them off, and I've noticed uh, some of the trees are getting that black leaves again. Is there anything I can spray on it to prevent that, or what, what's causing you know, the damage? I'd have to see it to know exactly. If the black is on the tips and margins of the leaf, then it's, it's a flow of water through the plant problem. It could be dry soil, it could be rotting roots, it could be a lot of things, but uh, if it's in the tips and margins. If the whole leaf is turning black, that really does still sound like fire blight, and uh, there are sprays for fire blight. They're not easy to find. They're not cheap. And uh, you may, you know, you have to reapply them. But uh, basically, they're sprays that contain an antibiotic uh, type uh, material in them. You might want to give those a try. You know, when you're go to Arborgate when you're there today and just ask them there what they carry for fire blight. They may have something that is just the perfect thing for that. Okay, because I do some heavier water this year than I did last year. All right. Well, I'm going to run to another call, but thank you very much for the call, Mike. Good luck with that. Uh, Let's see. We're going to go to Southeast Houston and talk to James. Hello, James. Hey, good morning. Good morning. My question is, because I listened to the show the last two years, I have had excellent crop of tomatoes, but word has spread, and I am getting already stink bugs. Okay. And how can I control them? They are just terrible. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, stink bugs are definitely a problem. The first thing I would do is go online and look look at what their eggs look like. Stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs are very distinct. And uh, if you know what you're looking for, uh, how many, do you have a bunch of tomatoes or just a few? No, quite a few. Quite a few. Okay. Well, this it may be hard to you know comb over your plants looking for eggs, but if you can find them at that stage, you can wipe out a whole bunch of them before they do anything. Check your tomatoes every few days and when you see the little herds of stink bugs or herds of leaf-footed bugs they don't have wings yet just put a pail of soapy water under them and swat the the branch with your hand and knock them into the soapy water once they get wings and they're flying all around that's a problem i mean it we have some you have to use a pretty stout insecticide to, to try to kill them and you're spraying it all over all your plants when there may just be a stink bug here or there and then another one comes flying in from somewhere else so that early monitoring is really important okay uh haven't heard i've looked on the internet and stuff and got all kind of ideals with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
but never heard of that. So I will try it and see what happens because it's really uh, disappointing. Yeah, it, it's very disappointing. And stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs, you know, they're, they're rude creatures, vandals out there in <laughs> tomato garden. I understand your pain on that. Uh, but, yeah, it just makes sense to get a whole bunch of them when it's easy and you don't have to spray anything. you got them all collected together. They tend to kind of stay in a herd a little bit when they first hatch out. So you see a bunch of these little things crawling around. Uh, there you go. Right. Well, they're pretty tricky. I mean, they see you. They see you coming, and they run over to the other side of the tomato real well, quick. Well, I know, they're, they're and that's hiding. That's that's why you know the earlier you catch them, the better off you're going to be. Plus, the the products you would spray are less toxic early on. Uh, when you get adult stink bugs and leaf-footed bugs, you're having to go to a more toxic insecticide. But I appreciate that call very much. Thank you. Let's head out to spring, and we're going to talk to Alex. Hello, Alex. Hey. Good morning. How you doing? Well, thank you. Good. Hey, I got a couple questions for you. The wife and I are purchasing a new house here um, in a couple months, and they're putting a St. Augustine grass into the yard. Now, I really want to get into real mowing, and I know you can't get short with that. Is it reasonable to overseed and go to a Bermuda? It's going to coexist with your St. Augustine. If it's a shady area, St. Augustine has the edge. If it's a sunny area and you're mowing high, um, the St. Augustine will hang on much better. Uh, when you mow real low, it, it's a little bit better for the Bermuda. So uh, sure. once you have them sure. mixed, I, if, I would not intentionally mix them. St. Augustine is easy to kill. It just lives on top yeah. of the ground. And I would, if you want Bermuda, I would get rid of the St. Augustine and then plant the Bermuda. It's not, St. Augustine's not going to pop back up in your Bermuda like Bermuda will pop back up in your St. Augustine. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you, Tom. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that call. Let's head to, let's see, we got time. Yeah, just a little bit. Let's head to Sugarland, and we're going to talk to Fred. Good morning, Fred. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How can we help today? Uh, I, yeah, I used to have a really nice-looking patch of uh, zucchini and yellow squash, and practically every year I get attacked by the squash board. Squash vine borers, yes. do you have any good ideas to prevent or kill them? <sighs> ideas, but no magic uh, magic bullets. <laughs> the, here's the thing. You need bees on those squash flowers taking the pollen back and forth. And so anything that's going to be a real good insecticide, in other words, real good meaning it works well, uh, is going to kill your bees. And you absolutely can't let that happen. So what, what I do on the vine borer, number one, uh, their eggs are very distinct, little tiny pinhead size amber eggs, typically laid on either the vine or the stalk. So if you know what they look like and you're going through your squash, you can find them and just rub the egg out and avoid that altogether. When you start to see the little ooze come out of the vine, where the vine borer is in there tunneling, pushing out like wet sawdust, you can split the vine lengthwise and kill the worm that's in there and then cover it up a little bit. One other thing, uh, start with a row cover or a netting over your squash that excludes insects. There are insect-excluding mesh materials. And when it comes time for pollination, you either do it yourself or you pull the netting off then and your plants are big enough to produce a decent crop for you. Uh, I'm going to have to run uh, now, uh, Fred. Uh, there are some insecticides, but you just want to be real careful with using them. We're going to go ahead and take a break uh, pretty quick here. Our phone number is 
5874. Yeah, we tried all kinds of things. I've done several experiments on squash using foil mulches to try to deter them. Nothing works really good. You just need to, from the time they're eggs on, just get after them and, and do the best you can. I believe it's time for some news. <laughs> Do you remember yesterday at 9 o'clock we're going, is it time to leave yet? Yep. And here it is, 9.30. Boy, this morning's gone by oh, fast. I know. I know. Okay, has. let's jump into the news. Good morning on a good morning to be indoors listening to a gardening show or calling into a gardening show. Uh, I was just talking about the, the barricade, you know, the, the preventing weeds and things. I was out in the yard the other day and doing some fertilization, and I, I used the Hastagro 1248 Liquid Lawn Food Plus. That, that's a long name. Hastagro 1248 Liquid Lawn Food Plus. It's from Medina Products. I, it's in a hose-in sprayer. Now, you can get it in a quart and a gallon larger sizes, but basically, you buy the hose-in sprayer, about a quart size, and it takes about 10 minutes to fertilize your lawn. It gives a very fast response. you got a liquid food on there giving a fast response. It stimulates the natural soil organisms, and if you if you return your clippings to your lawn, they're going to help feed. So only about four times per growing season would you use this has to grow. With the clippings removed, you need to do it every month because you're taking a lot of the nutrients out of there. Has to grow 12 for a liquid lawn food plus. You're going to find it at all of the places we talk about, our garden centers, our sponsors, Ace Hardware, places like that. You check out the has to grow, see how it works for you. I am uh, going to head to the phones because we got folks here on the phones have been waiting a little while. We're going to go to Jersey Village now and talk to Joe. Good morning, Joe. Howdy. I'm uh, calling from Cape May, uh, correction, Cape Charles, uh, Virginia. Okay. And, okay. How can I? I'll but, still help. Uh, I, I, you don't, you listen online out there? Uh, yeah, I, it's on the uh on my um, iHeartRadio. Oh, phone. good, good, wonderful. Well, thanks for being a listener. How can I help? But don't get too excited. I live in Jersey Village. Oh, okay. I, but I mean, you're 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 getting all the way out here to to uh, Cape Charles. It's beautiful out here right now. But it's raining back home. And okay, two uh, two, two weeks ago, I put out feet um, to uh, deal with my take all patch. Right, as a suppressant, uh huh. And, at, and so, and I haven't, and I then I had that was put down before Thursday. It's now raining, as you know better than I do because I'm not there. Yeah. Will that have diminished the value of the of the peat? Do I need to reapply more peat? Well, a little rain is helpful because you want to kind of wash it down in and around the runners of your St. Augustine. Uh, if you have a gully washer and you got erosion just sheeting across your lawn, then that's probably going to dis- dislodge that peat and move it out. But hopefully some of it will still be helpful. You may want to follow up with like an iron sulfate, something a little acidifying and something with iron in it, uh, because that helps the grass get by when it's already dealing with a limited root system. And that acidifying, the uh, the organism that causes take-all root rot doesn't like acidic conditions. It likes uh, high pH conditions. So so if, if all this is not working for you, you may have to switch and use a systemic type fungicide 
to shut things down, but I'd, I'd give it a watch. Uh, just make sure. And then anything stressing your grass, Joe, uh, it could be compaction. It could be too much shade. It could be use of certain herbicides that weaken the grass. Uh, that is just going to predispose it to the take Also, we try to avoid all of those things as best it's in our control uh, and, and minimize the pressure on the plant. Okay, and I plugged uh, with some uh, Palmetto St. Augustine in the bare areas. Okay. In the, in the shade areas, and that's stressing out of the shade. Okay, well, it does pretty good. The much, most light you can give it, even though it's quite shade tolerant, the more light you give it, the more energy the plant can have, and the thicker and healthier it'll be. Okay, then I need to get your uh, tr- tree trimmer out then. Okay, <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, and then from Cape uh, Charles, uh, Virginia, it's gorgeous sun up here. Oh, and, good. And, yeah, well, I got some. I got some kids in uh, Durham, North Carolina, so I'd say stop by and say hi to them for me. But I'm, <laughs> I think that's a little bit of a drive. Thanks for the call, Joe. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. I tell you what. Um, let's go to Spring Branch, and we're going to talk to David in Spring Branch. Good morning, David. How can we help? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my phone call. I just had a question about expanded shell. I have about four bags of them that I never used. I um, they're probably like about five years old. Is it is it too late to use them to put them on my plant bed next to my front yard uh, to my uh, front of my home? I have clayera and I have uh, wax myrtle there. Okay. Well, the expanded shale we put down prior to planting. Uh, you can't get it evenly all through a soil once you have plants in the way. So uh, that that's probably not going to be super helpful unless it's a serious enough serious enough condition that in maybe this fall you want to pull some plants up move them over on a tarp and redo the whole bed and then put the plants back in i know that's a lot of work but that would be the only way that i would see expanded shell coming into the situation you described okay well then that's helpful yeah i will do some transplanting uh maybe this uh fall or maybe within a week so i appreciate that very much okay just one quick tip david with expanded shale you need to put it down about three inches uh, agri-life extension from AM did studies up in dallas and they would mix they found that when you don't mix enough it's just some shale particles here and there in the clay when you put about three inches down and mix it in well that's enough volume of the shale where it really gives you the aeration benefit the water infiltration benefit and all those kinds of things Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate very much. All right. You take care. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to head to a break here. Uh, I see you out there, Craig, in Bay City. You'll be first when we come back up. Well, good Sunday morning. You are listening to Garden Line. I'm your host, Skip Richter, and uh, we are here to talk about things that are of interest to you. It, boy, it's really lit up the boards here since we got into this last couple of segments. Let's head out to Bay City. We're going to talk to Craig. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Skip. Doing a great job. The question I have is this. I had the opportunity to be in a new subdivision this past week, and they were planting trees in the Esplanade. I noticed that they're putting a, they were putting a PVC pipe, oh, I guess a half inch, down right, going right to the root ball and coming back up and they cut it off. 
And I asked them, I said, why are you doing that? And they said, well, that's, we could deep, uh, deep root water and deep root feed from there. I said, how do you keep bugs from growing in there? Since it's got a cap. I just want to take, get your take on it. Well, I'm not worried about the bugs, but listen, a tree has roots going in all directions. Initially, we have to water the cylinder that went into the ground. That's where all the roots are. That's why I like tree hugger sprinklers. And I know the city's not going to just buy a bunch of tree huggers. I wish they would. Uh, but because it water, you can make them water in that area. Or a berm of soil that you fill up with water is also helpful. But those roots are going everywhere. And I mean, if you put in 20 little pipes to, to water through, that, that it just it's not worth the trouble and it, it's not going to wet the soil volume that we need to wet so when we fertilize we fertilize the whole area if we need to aerate we can aerate but basically uh, don't worry about doing those little pipes that is just not that helpful I mean if somebody wanted to go in with a deep root water feeder uh, you know like a our tree company can do I mean that when when you when you do something like that you're doing it all over the place you know when I mean we're talking about uh, tree watering and feeding in a lot of places all around the trunk. That's what affordable uh, does, by the way, when they do that. Uh, but don't at home, don't do the pipes. Not worth it. Okay. Thanks, Skip. All right. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Let's head out to Danbury, and we're going to talk to Ronnie. Hello, Ronnie. Good morning. Hey, Skip. Appreciate you taking the call. and agree with the gentleman that called before. You're doing a great job. Listen, I've, I've got a question. What I've got is out in the garden this morning in between rainstorms, and there are literally thousands of mulberries. I have hundreds of gnats on my tomato plants, little white-looking gnat flies. Do I need to be worried? Well, that sounds a little bit like it could be white flies. Um, they, uh, if you can see this, if, if, if the, when they land, if they're holding their wings kind of like a rooftop, you know, that angle of your rooftop, if they're holding their wings down alongside their body, but in that shape, you might be dealing with somewhat of a, like a white fly problem getting started. There are so many insects out there, though, that without a good identification, I don't know. I hate to send people out with insecticide to treat white flies, and here's why. They have a lot of natural enemies, and when you treat for the white flies, you may kill white flies, but you kill the natural enemies, and then the white flies come in, you know, in a wave, and there's nothing there to even slow them down. So uh, you might want to use something if you feel like you have them. When you turn over your leaves, you're going to see these little tiny, smaller than a, a typed zero, but a little tiny uh, fish scale looking things on the bottom of the leaf. That's their pupa. And if you, if beyond the adults, if you're seeing a lot of that under the leaves, I would get an insecticidal soap or better yet, a horticultural oil, summer oil, like a neem oil. That would be an example. And spray upward and coat those things. Coat the undersides of the leaves. That would be the best way to manage them because when we start pulling out the insecticides, uh, it just there's just a boomerang. I hear you. All right, Skip. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that call, Ronnie. Thank you very much. Uh, wow, we uh, this time flew this morning. It's really moving kind of fast on us. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, first of all, I, I've been mentioning today this is this is lawn fertilizing season. And if you want a good quality lawn fertilizer, you need to look at the 
Turf Star line by Nelson. The Turf Star line has a number of different things in it. You know, it's got the Bruce's Brew, the 1849 that you just use it year round. In fact, I, I would use products like that in flower beds and vegetable beds. I mean, it's a slow, you know, it's going to give you a, a faster release. So you, when, you know, you put it down, you get the release right then. If you want to slow things down a little bit, I would go to Slow and Easy. That's a 22 to 10. And that's going to give you feeding that'll last you through the rest of the summer. You don't worry about fertilizing your lawn again until fall when you put down a slow and easy type product. You know, Dean Nelson, the folks, Nelson's Fertilizers, over 20 years have they been making fertilizer. They have followed carefully research on turf at A&M and to how they formulate their, their fertilizers. And that Turf Star line is just a good one. They got a lot of other good lines, too, but I, I really I really like the Turf Star line a lot for the summer. Uh, one, another one that I like a lot, by the way, is the Color Star. Uh, Color Star products for your plants that have color, right? A flower bed, they work really well for that. And, uh, you know, the, it's, just a, it's just a quality product, and so encourage you to check that out. Uh, whenever this rain is done and we get a little bit drier, I'm going to need to head back out and do some more lawn care. And this is when lawns tend to kind of get away from you. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can't get out and mow. And next time you get out there, uh, if you mow, it's going to look like a hayfield. Well, I always tell you to, to um, mulch your clippings back in the lawn. That is I'll just say that's the best lawn fertilizer and the cheapest because it's free. <laughs> it's your lawn. You're recycling the clippings. That's not in and of itself enough to keep a lawn dense and healthy. No, we still fertilize. But if you get rid of those clippings, you're just renting the fertilizer that you're putting down because you're growing grass clippings with it and paying somebody to haul it away. But after a rain, that would be a time where you could, uh, when it's grown too much, to where I'm just, we like to just cut off like a third of the grass blade height each mowing. That's ideal. But maybe it's grown to where when you mow it, it's going to be, you're cutting off over half the height of it. Well, in that case, yeah, you could gather the clippings. Use them as, as a mulch uh, in flower beds. It's not too deep. They'll dry out and work well. Use them in your compost pile. Uh, what I do, because I just love having the clippings there, is I'll mow high. And then I'll come in and I'll mow again lower and that just better chops up all those clippings. And so it doesn't look like a hayfield when you're done. So that's another strategy for it. But uh, the secret to a good, healthy lawn, one of the key secrets is regular mowing frequent mowing. The more often you mow, the denser of a lawn you're going to be able to have. Now, it's important to have water. It's important to have fertilizer, of course, in your lawn. But dense mowing uh, or frequent mowing creates that density. And, and I'll, I'll prove it this way. The most mowed turf on the planet is a golf course green. I mean, they are mowing those things every day, like an eighth of an inch cut out. You're just barely mowing a little off. And how could you get denser than a golf course green, right? Now, if they mowed a golf course green once a week, <laughs> when they mowed, it would be an ugly mess. And it wouldn't be a good surface for playing golf on, for sure. Well, in our home lawns, we're not going for that low of a mowing, unless you just have a little backyard puttings area. But... Just mowing once a week is enough. Cutting off a third of the blade, that's good. It's just when we get stretched out by extended periods of rain. I don't think this one will be quite that extended, but uh, that that's when we kind of get into a problem with things stretching stretching out and, and just getting a little bit long and lanky on us. Hey, I want to remind you guys that on this coming Saturday, that's the 20th, I'm going to be at the Sugarland Home and Garden Outliving Show 
outdoor living show. That's in Stafford Center in Stafford. Uh, I'll be there at 11.30. I'm going to give a seminar to help you have success with your garden. Uh, and then I'm going to spend an hour outside at a booth answering garden questions. This is where you bring me in a Ziploc bag, bugs, disease examples, uh, you know, other issues with the lawn. What What is this plan? Bring it in a bag. Or take pictures with your phone. Take pictures of a problem area or take pictures of an area where you're kind of thinking, what would be some good color to put into that area of the landscape? We'll help you with all that. On Garden Line, we have a short time to visit with you on a question. But when you come to one of these places that I appear at, like a Sugarland Home and Outdoor Living Show, we can spend some time eye to eye and kind of work through some of the bigger questions that you might have. I hope you'll be able to come out and see us this coming Saturday. And by the way, just stretching things out a bit further, the following Saturday, I'm going to be at Wild Birds Unlimited at Clear Lake, and I'm going to tell you a whole lot about that uh, next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.